It is draft night from Chalk in Chisholm Creek. Along with Will Brewer, I am Colby Daniels. We've been excited about this night for quite some time. We have a packed house ready for the NBA draft tonight. Will, big thanks to Kona Brewing, by the way. They have sent the Kona girls out here. We have Kona beer specials all night long. We have awesome giveaways, including a Magic Johnson autographed basketball. We have a Kona Grizzly cooler. We have a Kona skateboard. Every purchase of a Kona beer tonight gets you an extra entry into these giveaways. It's going to be exceptional. I am so excited about tonight. And look, we're about to watch a bunch of basketball players realize their dream come true tonight. And that's one of the best parts about the NBA draft. And at the same time, we have an NBA team in Oklahoma City. And tonight, potentially, is that fork in the road where the fortune of Oklahoma City Thunder basketball potentially changes forever. I cannot wait to watch what's going to happen over the next three hours. Man, I really feel like this is going to be a big, big night um, for the entire NBA, not only the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, a lot of franchises really ha really want to make big moves here in this offseason, so I really believe that this is going to be a big night uh, full of surprises. That's just my prediction. Uh, but a bunch of players realizing their dreams. They've worked their whole lives for this. Uh, for, these, for this moment, and you can just see the players were walking out with their families. You could tell how proud that their parents were. Uh, it's just a great moment to see. The suit game, always outstanding part of the coverage. Uh, you know, I grew up in the 90s. That, that was when I was a really big NBA fan, and you have you know, the Jalen Roses in the red, you know, the red suit with the pinstripes and uh, Samaki Walker. I don't know if you famously remember <laughs> yeah. the Samaki Walker hat, but uh, the draft fits are uh, are just just everything you want to see. Absolutely. Uh, the draft fits. Every year, I feel like we're getting something new. I remember uh, just a few years ago, Trey Young came with the shorts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so every year, there's something new. Uh, and these guys really took it up a level uh, with their suit game this year. I said then, and I still believe it, Trey Young's going to regret this someday. I still think <laughs> it's one of those uh, just bizarre looks. Uh, but hey, you know what? He uh, he is. Uh, nobody's talking about that now, which would be the bad thing. Uh, he's he's proved a lot of people wrong. All right, we're going to get to the draft in a second. Will we have big news in the NBA world? And this is also of interest to, to Thunder fans because Russell Westbrook looks like he's on the verge of being traded to the LA Lakers. I made the joke earlier on Twitter that this is fitting because the Lakers exited in the first round this year. That's what we've known Russell Westbrook to do basically since Kevin Durant left, first round exit. Uh, but in all seriousness, if this trade does go down the way that everybody's anticipating, are the Lakers contenders or, I mean, I think they were anyway uh, when healthy, but how does this change things for you as far as that perspective? Well, uh, I think the Laker, I think adding Russell Westbrook will bring the Lakers another playmaker, um, a guy who's going to play hard every night, uh, a guy who's going to take a lot of pressure off of LeBron to be the to be the guy that has the ball all the time. Uh, Russell Westbrook, he knows how to run uh, run the offense, and he's going to be able to give the ball to the big guys like Anthony Davis if Andre Drummond uh, stays. So. Russell Westbrook is going to be a guy that uh, adds a lot of playmaking. He's going to add a lot of offense. Um, but when it comes to playoff basketball, that's my only question with him because uh, we know his IQ, um, you know, it comes and goes. He doesn't make the best decisions all the time. So the Lakers are going to be playing big in big yeah. games throughout the season into the playoffs. How is that going to work with a guy like LeBron James and Anthony Davis? That's my only question. I, I believe that if the Lakers have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and those guys are healthy in the postseason, they're a contender regardless of what the rest of the roster looks like. Now, you, you certainly need players to make big plays throughout the course of a, a championship run outside of your superstars, but 
we saw that the last time with Contavious Caldwell Pope, and there, I mean, there it just seemed like there was always a different guy stepping up, and and nobody anticipated KCP was going to be one of those guys. I, Russell Westbrook, I think, is an interesting dynamic to this team because what he does is I think he allows you to get to that postseason point with your two superstars healthy. Russell Westbrook is tremendous in the regular season. We've seen this, right? Like, defenses don't approach you the same way in the regular season. Defenses don't bring out, you know, they, they don't take away all the things that they take away in the postseason, which allows Russell Westbrook to do what he does in the regular season. And he's a guy that just plays harder than everybody else in the regular season. So I think he can be a minute eater for the Lakers over the course of 82 games, allow LeBron James to play less minutes, allow Anthony Davis to play less minutes without, you know, maybe getting caught in that play-in tournament like we saw them get caught this year and be in a little bit more comfortable situation in the regular season while those guys are still getting rest. And then when it comes to postseason play, it's the LeBron and Anthony Davis show. And if Russell gives you anything positive, so be it. But I, I just look at this more as he's going to help you get to the point that you need to be at with two guys that right now have a lot of mileage or with Anthony Davis just has a, a long history of injuries. Absolutely. Russell Westbrook, what he brings to the table, just that his high energy, high motor, the regular season is going to be great for him because he's going to be able to get his triple doubles. He's going to be able to win a lot of games with the Lakers. Um, and he's going to allow, to, uh, allow a 36-year-old LeBron James, Anthony Davis, who's been banged up his entire career, he's going to allow them to not have to play so many minutes. And Russell Westbrook, he's fine with playing 40-plus minutes a game. I mean, he's had injury yeah. problems himself, but we know that he's his motor is not going to allow him to play any different. So um, Russ is going to bring them, like you said, he's going to be a minute eater. And w once the playoffs get here, LeBron and AD can handle the rest, yeah. but uh, just throughout that uh, regular season, the duration of it, just give the ball to Russ. Let's, let's just call it regular season horsepower right. is what Russell Westbrook gives to the Lakers. The number one pick is in, by the way. The Detroit Pistons have made their selection. Will, earlier this week, there were rumors. Now, look, I'm not going to pretend to say that these were real or not real. Uh, regardless of whether they were fake news or whatever you want to call them, it, it was thrown out that they had offered Shea Gilgis-Alexander and the number six pick to Detroit for number one. Uh, that got a lot of Thunder fans really upset, <laughs> I think, is, is the main reaction. I was on the other side of this equation uh, simply because I think if you're a small market team and you have the opportunity to trade anybody for a younger player with a higher ceiling, I think you have to do it. Uh, we will, we'll talk about that in just a second, but Detroit is making the selection right now. Uh, the NBA draft is underway. Cade Cunningham, guard, Oklahoma State, is the number one selection in the 2021 NBA draft to the Detroit Pistons. And this is a kid. He absolutely deserves it. Uh, what he did with Oklahoma State, uh, a lot of people didn't really think he was going to pick uh, Oklahoma State, but for him to go there, have the type of season that he did, completely turn that um, organization around, um, got to the tournament. Uh, you can just tell he's a leader. Uh, he's got length. Um, the prototypical, I guess you want to say, the prototypical guy uh, to run the show now. I mean, a lot of these guys are are six eight running the show, like the Ben Simmons, yeah. like the Luka Doncic. So Kay Cunningham's coming in six eight. He he's going to be able to run the show. He's a great passer. He can rebound the basketball. Uh, great scorer as well. Uh, yeah, Detroit's got their guy of the future. What's what's the negative on Cade? Because I don't see one, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you if you're just if if you're going to be the scout in the room that's going to play devil's advocate, what what's the 
What are you pointing out? Is there anything? Because I, I, I don't see a hole in his game, and I think not only does he have an MVP ceiling, I think this guy could be a top five player in the NBA at some point in his career. The ceiling is enormous, but also I think the floor is, is really high as well. I, I just I, I don't know how this guy's a bad player because there's nothing he's not good at. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be it's really hard to like nitpick something that's yeah. just wrong with this game. I mean, really, I guess maybe if you look at the defensive end, he might have to be matched up with some really quick point guards. But, I, I mean, he's still a, a, a pretty solid defender at that. So um, if you want to nitpick anything, it's probably the defense. But, I mean, who really plays lockdown defense yeah. in the NBA anymore? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's true. But, look, we have seen him play good defense is, right. is the thing. It's not as though he's one of those guys that you have to worry about not being able to do it. It's there. I think with anybody that is the main ball handler and the ma main scorer for a team, uh, you know, you worry about them exerting too much effort defensively right. because of what they need to give you on the other end. And I think that was certainly the case with Kate at times at Oklahoma State. But it's not a worry for me in, the ter in terms of, you're in the final five minutes of a game and somebody's going to try and get the best matchup. I don't think they're just pointing at Cade Cunningham oh, saying no. we're going at that guy to get a bucket. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that was just me trying to nitpick Yeah, 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 anything. for sure. Uh, because, like you said, there's not really anything uh, wrong with his game. I mean, he brings so much to the table at 6'8". Uh, the things that he can do, uh, attacking the basket, shooting the basketball. He shot the, bas uh, the three at 40% yeah. uh, in college. So, I mean, it would be interesting to see how that translates, but... I mean, Cade Cunningham, he, he's the truth. He's, and, and here's the other thing that I, I think sometimes is hard for us that are not talking to these guys on a daily basis that don't get to go through these interviews. Like, we can all watch the basketball part of it, and we can all make our educated guesses on whether these guys are going to turn into MVPs or all-stars or role players or, you know, we all see these guys differently, but we all have an opinion about the basketball part. I think when you're going to be the face of a franchise, when you're going to be the guy they're bringing in to turn things around, when you're going to be the point guard and the guy with the ball in his hands at the end of the game, I, I think that's where you know personality traits become a big part of this equation. And I've never met Cade Cunningham. I, I've never interviewed him. But everybody that I've spoken with in Stillwater, Oklahoma, that is, has had communication with this kid, has nothing but good things to say. I think we all have the impression, just based on all the media availability we've ever seen from the guy, he says the kind of things that make you say, as, as an NBA franchise, that's the guy we want as our leader. Absolutely. The, he has a really positive energy about him, and you can just tell the, uh, the guys in Oklahoma State really gravitated towards him, and he was an extension of the coach on the floor. Um, everything that they did... Uh, Oklahoma State. They were so they were such a close knit group. You can tell, um, and I think that just says everything you need to know about Kate Cunningham's leadership. Yeah. Again, uh, shoots the ball well. Terrific vision. Terrific size for the position. Uh, terrific leadership. Uh, I, I just don't see a downside for this guy, other than maybe the fact that he's going to have to play his home games in Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, that's probably the only thing. I, I knew that you were going to go there. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the only thing. Uh, but I think he's truly uh, embraced it. Uh, I think he knew as soon as Detroit landed the, uh, the number one pick that he was most likely going to go there. And I think he's all in with Detroit, yeah. uh, despite, you know, having to play in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, I think he's accepted it. I think he's accepted the challenge. I think that just says a lot about his character. There was speculation this week that maybe Detroit was weighing Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green and Evan Mobley with that number one pick. And, and most people that were on Twitter earlier today saw Woj's tweet, what, five, six hours ago, stating that, that Detroit had finally made their decision that, that, that it was, in fact, Cade Cunningham. 
I kind of laughed at that because that to me seemed like, look, they're going to do their due diligence. They have the number one pick. They have the obligation to scout Jalen Green and Evan Mobley and make sure that, and, and you know, for Cade Cunningham, make, you know, look at all the negatives that there could be with him when you're making a selection like that. So I don't doubt the fact that they were really go, doing their homework on all three of the players, but I, I do have a hard time believing that at any point they considered one of the others over Cade Cunningham. For me, I, I look at the tiers of this NBA draft, and I certainly believe there are four guys that are way ahead of everybody else. Absolutely. But I think within those four guys, to me at least, Cade Cunningham is the undisputed number one pick in this draft. I, you know, I like the upside of some of the other guys. I like the, the polish of some of the other guys. There's good things about all of them. But if it's me, I don't care what my situation is. Cade Cunningham has the highest upside of them all. He's, he's undisputed number one pick in my mind. Absolutely. When you're a team like Detroit, I mean, of course, you're, you're looking at the rest of the players uh, like the Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, but the top, at the top of your list, it's Cade Cunningham. And then the, let the rest of the shows fall where they may. All right, the Houston Rockets selecting number two. The pick is in. Adam Silver is announcing this right now. Uh, once again, this was one that was not a secret. And, and for that matter, the next pick shouldn't be a secret either uh, as long as Cleveland doesn't trade out of the number three pick. But Jalen Green is the pick to the Houston Rockets with the number two overall selection. Um, to be honest with you, Will, until about a month ago, I didn't know a whole lot about this guy. Hadn't really watched much. And to say that I was wowed within the first 30 seconds of watching what this guy's capable of is an understatement. You can see why, you know, at the beginning of this, it was Cade Cunningham and maybe Evan Mobley and Jalen Suggs. But you can see why Jalen Green all of a sudden was put in that group of the elite players in this draft. I mean, watching, he just jumps off the screen at you when you watch him play. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at a, a guy like Jalen Green's highlight tape, highlight tapes are made to make a guy look good. But when you watch a guy like Jalen Green, it really jumps out to, yeah. at you, like you said. Uh, you're really like, wow, okay, uh, Jalen Green is special. Uh, he's He's got freak athleticism. Uh, he went the uh, G League route, you yeah. know. Uh, he could have went to probably any major D1 school in the, in the country, but he chose to go to the, the G League route. And I think it was, it was great for him. To get that kind of uh, professional experience, I mean, and he and he uh, scored the ball really well. Uh, like it says up here, he's a shot creator. He, and but what jumped off the page to me is his athleticism, and I think he's going to be able to do some really special things in the NBA with his athleticism. If Cade Cunningham's the best player in this draft, with the most upside as far as potentially being an MVP caliber guy. Jalen Green might be the guy in year one and two that's on Sports Center more than any other player in Absolutely. this draft, right? Absolutely. Just his athleticism, it's something to behold. Uh, and I think uh, if any of these guys in the NBA are caught slipping, Jalen Green's going to put them on, on a poster and he will be on Sports Center. Same question. What's the what's the negative side of Jalen Green as far as what you can tell? If you're play, again, if you're playing devil's advocate, we, we like these guys a lot for a reason. By the way, Jalen Green's suit is nothing short of spectacular yeah, yeah that is that is spectacular that's probably that's probably number one uh for the night uh but if i could have to nitpick anything off of uh jalen green's game um i mean i, I want to go back to defense but i don't want to keep harping on yeah. that with these guys but um you know maybe his ability to shoot the three uh at a high at a high level in yeah. the nba um, but, I mean, outside of that, I mean, he's a really special player. And I think he'll be able to develop a lot of these skills uh, as he gets in the NBA. But uh, as far as being NBA ready, he's one of these guys that is completely NBA ready. Athletically NBA ready. Um, and, and, look, I think playing against grown men in the G League is also one of those things that it – 
while the numbers may not be off the charts, I think going into year one as a rookie, you're just a little bit more prepared for what exactly you're going to see on a nightly basis. Right. And you understand how hard it's going to be going into the NBA because of the G League path, um, which I, I think is a really good thing. It also, I, I think when you're in the G League and, and it's so much about development versus being in the NBA and what they're going to ask of you, for me, I'm looking more at the physical tools than necessarily how he was used, but I've heard shot selection thrown out there with him. My biggest thing is the guy can get his own shot, and he can he can find shots on the floor without the help of anybody else, and that's right. invaluable. Absolutely. You know, like it's, it's said up here, like one of the best things about him was his ability to be a, a, a shot creator. And, you know, his just the, uh, the one dribble, two dribble, he doesn't need a lot of time you know he's not really ball dominant but he can create his own shot without using a lot of time on the shot clock so that's a, another thing that you can really like about him I'll tell you what he kind of reminded me of not necessarily from a player standpoint but just watching like the t kinds of plays he makes a little bit of Anthony Edwards from a year ago oh absolutely and just the athleticism right yeah. like Anthony Edwards is a really no Anthony uh, Edwards also looks like a linebacker and he's <laughs> a you know so I, I get that they're different players and they play differently, but when you watch the highlights and the plays that they make, there's a lot of similarities in, in that regard. Yeah, I mean, of course they don't have the uh, they don't have uh, the same body type, but they do have uh, similar scoring abilities and just like that mentality of just like nothing's gonna stop me. I'm going to get a bucket. Yeah. So I do like the, the the comp on him that I've seen most often is Zach Levine, uh, and. I mean, Zach Levine has turned into a really good outside shooter, but Zach Levine coming out of, of UCLA, I think that's that's pretty spot on. Yeah, I mean, Zach Levine, I mean, we all know he started out as a, as a dunk contest champion, and that's all that he was known for at first. But, I mean, now we're starting to see his game really expand, and we're seeing uh, him turn into an all-star, a really special player the, with the ability to uh, create his own shot, be a leader on the court. Yeah. That's just something that the NBA does. Uh they turn a really special athlete into a really all-around complete player. By the way, the deal is official per Adrian Wojnarowski. The Lakers and the Wizards have agreed to trade Russell Westbrook. So Westbrook headed home to Los Angeles. He'll be a Laker. We'll, uh, we'll hit that a little bit later in the first round as uh, we are buzzing through this thing. Cleveland, once again, the pick is in. Uh, no surprise. I I'm about to say this before it's selected, but it looks like uh, <laughs> Evan Mobley, as everybody anticipated, is the selection. And center out of UCLA, seven-footer. Um, Again, if you want to go the comp route, a lot of people have called him Chris Bosh. Yeah, I've seen a lot of comparisons to some really special big men that's played in the NBA. Uh, Kevin Garnett, Anthony Davis, Chris Bosh. Um, at seven foot, uh, he's going to be able to, you know, block shots. Uh, he's got a really special offensive game as well. Uh, he can stretch the floor. Uh, he's a prototypical big man in, this, in today's NBA. And on top of that, he can uh, rim protect as well. So a lot of the things that we see a guy like Rudy Gobert do yeah. as far as being a, a, a rim protector, but he doesn't really have the offensive package. Yeah. But then some of the guys like a, like a Jokic, who has all the offensive talent but doesn't have uh, really the defense, Evan Mobley has the potential to bring both. There are different kinds of, of good defenders as far as big men. There's the Rudy Gobert type that just – impacts every shot that's taken inside the paint and then there's the the bam out that are so good on the perimeter that he's not a liability when you know you play a two-man game and he gets switched on is evan mobley 
in your opinion, athletic enough to be the Bam Adebayo type as well? Man, I, Bam Adebayo is really special because he can really switch one through five. Right. If Evan Mobley is able to do that, he's going to be just as special. Uh, I have to see him defend some of these perimeter guys in the NBA, but I think he's got the length. It just depends on his footwork. Yeah, that, which is one of my biggest questions for him. Uh, but, I mean, the guy has tremendous upside. Um, offensively, what, do you, what, what type of player do you see him being? Uh, man, I, I really think he's a special uh, player. And I've seen a lot of comparisons to Chris Bosh. I think, I think he'll be able to shoot the three um, and at least stretch the floor to the mid-range, uh, along with being an a inside presence, uh, a post presence, I should say. So I think he's, got, I think he's a special talent. Uh, I think his skill set is just really, really uh, unique, you know. Yeah. So uh, he's going to be a special player for sure. It, it generally takes big guys longer to to adapt to the NBA than it does the perimeter guys. Uh, plus, they don't have the ball in their hands nearly as much. Um, and, and look, I, I think if we're talking about the league 20 years ago, Evan Mobley's probably the number one pick, and, and yeah. nobody's even questioning it. Um, I think he is worthy of being that pick if that's the kind of, of basketball that's being played in the NBA. I, have a, I, I would have a really hard time taking Evan Mobley, even in this spot, if you're the number three team and Jalen Suggs is on the board, because in today's NBA, you have to have ball-dominant players. And, and I, again, I think the world of him, but if, if you don't have that guy already, and look, Cleveland kind of has two of those guys, which is right. a, th their own issue, uh, so this is pick is perfect for them. But if you don't have that guy, I think you, ha you always have to take the ball-dominant guy over the big guy. Absolutely. That, like you said, that's what today's NBA is. Uh, you got Cade Cunningham, who's going to be able to run the show. Jalen Green, who can get his own shot whenever he wants. I mean, Evan Mobley, they're going to have to run sets for him. They're going to yeah. have to have guys throw the ball into him. Uh, so, uh, you know, defenses are going to be able to, you know, really key in on him and maybe not even uh, let him get the ball. But like, like we're saying, Evan, Evan Mobley is a really special player, and I think as, the, as these years pile on and as he grows into an NBA body, uh, I mean, I think he's only, like, listed at 215 right now. But as he grows into an NBA body, like, he's going to be a force. Um, apparently on the ESPN broadcast, Kendrick Perkins just compared Evan Mobley to Bill Russell. So uh, if you were listening to us, that was a really smart move on your part, and uh, <laughs> you're not having to listen to Kendrick Perkins' ridiculous takes on ESPN. All right, the Toronto Raptors are on the clock. It says the pick is in. Well, this is where we felt like the draft really started. I think t Toronto could go a number of ways here. Um, you know, we talked about that tier one of players, Jalen Suggs being the last remaining tier one player available. Uh, this is also a spot that has been reported as up for grabs if, if somebody wants to trade with Toronto and, and offer the right package. Um, I, I think Jalen Suggs is a guy that is also just a can't-miss guy. Like, he's he's not going to be a bad player in the NBA. Now, we can all debate about what we think his ceiling is, uh, but I, I'm really excited about what this kid brings to the NBA. Again, a lot like Cade Cunningham, not just because of the basketball stuff, but from a leadership standpoint, you know, all the all the mental intangibles that he possesses. Uh, and, you know, he's obviously most known for the big three-pointer in the NCAA right. championship. But, uh, look, we, we are... Uh, we're ready for Toronto's pick in, in just a matter of moments. But, look, if Sam Presti's going to make a move, I think this is this has always been the spot that, that we all thought was most up for grabs. 
Absolutely. Uh, we, we've heard rumblings that there was uh, talks of a, of a pick swap between these two teams. But, you know, if I was Toronto, uh, just thinking of what I need and knowing that uh, Kyle Lowry's out or Kyle Lowry's a free agent, uh, I think just it's a match with uh, Toronto and Jalen Suggs. Here we go. Adam Silver is at the podium. Toronto, at least as of now, is making the pick. The Toronto Raptors select Scotty Barnes. Wow. For, he's, he's a point forward, I think, is the fair way to, to say it, uh, out of Florida State. Um, I First of all, anybody that thinks Scotty Barnes uh, over Jalen Suggs, I, I'm baffled by. But... Uh, I've watched a lot of Scotty Barnes, Will, in the last couple days. And I told you this before we started recording today. I, w like, I want to like Scotty Barnes because you see the size, you see the athleticism, and there's a lot to like there. But at the end of the day, when you're comparing Scotty Barnes to the top five guys in this draft, he doesn't shoot the ball well. He's not super dynamic with the ball in his hands. He's not a super dynamic shot creator. I, I do think he's a good prospect. And I think he can give you a lot of different things. He, he you know, he, he plays defense. He rebounds. He, he, I think he has good court vision, uh, as they're showing the graphic right now. Good court vision, versatile <laughs> defender. Um, but to me, he's not dynamic enough as an athlete, period, or, or making the basketball plays that I think I would allow me to take him over a Jalen Suggs. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly pretty shocked that they uh, picked uh, Barnes over Jalen Suggs, but. Um, you know, Scotty Barnes does bring a lot to the table in terms of his defense and his court vision. Uh, I think probably uh, his defense is NBA ready. Court vision is probably NBA ready. But like you said, he's not a dynamic scorer. Uh, doesn't shoot the ball very well. Maybe uh, the Raptors believe that they can um, build that in into him as the years pile on. Because, I mean, he he's got the size. Uh, being a versatile defender, I, I mean... I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out like where yeah. Toronto yeah. Uh, wanted to pick him over over Suggs, but I mean I can see uh, in terms of his uh, of his versatility and uh, his ability to pass the ball that and that they're comparing him to a Draymond Green, yeah. and that's what we were saying before the show. So I mean, look, I, mean, I think he fits well with Fred Van Vliet, and I I don't know what's going to happen with Kyle Lowry ultimately, but. You know, let's for the sake of this argument, let's not throw him into the equation. But Fred Van Vliet is going to be your primary ball handler. Um, uh, the Indiana kid that they took a couple years ago. Uh, um, OG? Yeah. Out of Nobi. Yeah. Uh, and then Pascal Siakam. Like, I think his skill set fits with the other pieces they have. So, from a fit standpoint, uh, I like what Scotty Barnes brings and, and adds to that roster right now. But if you're just talking about best player available, I, I honestly don't even think it's close. And look, if you're Sam Presti right now and Jalen Suggs is available one pick ahead of you, you've got to be making that call, right? Absolutely. And then, you know, Orlando, they have point guards. They have Cole Anthony. They have uh, Markel Fultz. I mean, so do, do the Orlando Magic just go ahead and make that trade knowing that they have uh, two point guards already? Uh, because I know the Thunder... Are, would would be salivating over a guy like uh, Jalen Suggs, uh, and or Orlando doesn't really need a, a point guard. So I mean, maybe maybe Oklahoma City's uh, got thrown a bone. The uh, the clock is still ticking with Orlando on the clock. They are I guarantee one thousand percent. They are on the phone right now. Yeah. They are taking calls. They are going to figure out what is potentially the best offer and weigh that versus 
the player that they believe Jalen Suggs is. Um, look, I think I, I felt like Orlando has not been good in the draft for a long time. So if that trend continues, the move here is to trade out of this pick and uh, not select Jalen Suggs. Uh, but we will see. I mean, it's it's one of those things where uh, I think, you know, Oklahoma City has a boatload of picks that they can offer to move up one spot. And if it's me and it's the difference between Jalen Suggs or whoever you're going to get with the next pick, I would have no issue whatsoever trading all three of my first rounders. 16, 18, and 6 to move up a spot to take Jalen Suggs because I, I, I think he's that big of a difference maker compared to what the next pick is going to be. Yeah, we talked about the top four guys in this draft, and we, uh, we talked about Green, we talked about Mobley, we talked about Cade. Suggs is in that group. He's, he's the fourth guy. And while Scotty Barnes is great and everything, Jalen Suggs, I feel, is, is a guy that you can't miss on. Um, I feel like Orlando's in an in a interesting spot because they do have two point guards. So if I am Sam Presti, I am looking at, okay, do I just go ahead and give all three of my picks in the first round for um, for it to, to get Jalen Suggs, to get a guy who is one of the top four prospects in this draft? I'm looking at that. Or I'm looking at trying to just uh, throw in some of my second round picks. Whatever the case is, I think Jalen Suggs is a guy you can't miss on. Absolutely. The clock is still ticking, by the way. Uh, the Orlando Magic have one minute to make their selection. And look, sometimes teams end up making these picks, and it's announced later right. that they work out the details and, and a pick is traded. That's that's the big difference with the NFL draft and the NBA draft is, um, you know, the NFL draft generally, if a pick's going to be traded, it will be announced before that pick is made. Uh, whereas with the NBA, and this has been a, an annoyance of mine forever, sometimes the team makes the, the selection. Nobody even knows that it's going to be traded. The guy has to wear the stupid hat of the team that he's <laughs> never going to play for and go through that entire charade of, you know, the Orlando Magic hat. When everybody associated with the Orlando Magic knows he's going to be traded for somebody else, uh, that's, you know, that's my own individual pet peeve about the NBA draft. But, um, I, look, it, they're probably not going to announce a trade right now because they're, they're with 10 seconds left. I, I would assume that Orlando is going to make this selection and it's going to be Jalen Suggs. I'll be really curious to know within the next five or 10 minutes if there's a trade announcement and Oklahoma City potentially does something. But look, Sam Presti is way smarter than either one of us will ever be when it comes to basketball. But it takes two teams. Obviously, they can make all the offers they want. If Orlando doesn't like any of them, then you know it doesn't matter. But uh, if you're Sam Presti, this is why you have all these, these draft picks, to move into situations to get game-changing type players. And again, the, the guy that they might take next, I think, is a good player. But I, I, I think Jalen Suggs is considerably better, and I think he's a future NBA All-Star. Absolutely. Jalen Suggs, uh, just in terms of the leadership and, and being able to take a f control of a franchise, he has that. Um, I don't know what Orlando's going to do, but, it, man, it's going to be interesting. Here we go. Adam Silver back to the podium. Jalen Suggs is the selection to the Orlando Magic, and uh, I think all the Thunder fans here at Chalk right now just uh, just feel gut wrenched. There was there was a massive uh, exhale of disgust. I think is the best <laughs> way to say it here at Chalk in Chisholm Creek. Well, and just to to hold out just a little bit of hope, um, we've seen situations where teams will draft a guy for it another team knowing that there's a trade involved so maybe that this is a case where 
uh, Oklahoma City wants Jalen Suggs, and uh, the other, and Orlando's going to take whoever uh, Oklahoma City drafts. So um, it might it might be a case like that, but if not, you know, uh, Orlando's getting a really really talented player, uh, a leader, um, a big big shot maker, like as we've seen in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Suggs brings a lot to the table, and it's going to be interesting to see what they what they do. Um, with the, they now have three point guards unless the move is made. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think they've. This is the second straight draft that they've drafted a point guard. So I, I think, you know, like we're saying, you know, Jalen Suggs is a guy that you can't really miss on. Uh, in terms of fit, you know, who knows? But he is the best available guy right now. So he, and I, Orlando definitely. Uh, I had him number right. two on my big board going into this draft. I had Cade Cunningham one, Jalen Suggs two, uh, and then you know, again, a lot of that is because he plays with the ball in his hand 90% of the time. Um, this, this in a way, feels like the Devin Booker situation years ago right. when you saw Devin Booker slipping and all of a sudden you're thinking, Devin Booker on the Thunder would be right. the greatest fit <laughs> of all time. And we started this broadcast, and I said, you know, tonight NBA dreams are going to come true. We just saw Jalen Suggs smiling ear to ear, extremely happy about being selected. And at the same time, I said at the beginning of this, and potentially NBA franchise fortunes can sway one way or the other. If you're Oklahoma City, to miss out on Jalen Suggs, man, I I think uh, what a miss if they weren't able to get a deal done. Yeah, it, it is a miss because you're one pick away, man, uh, from getting a, a, a real franchise changer. And, and like it said on the graphic that he is a winning player. He yeah. is a winning player. He brings a winning mentality to uh, to these teams. And, you know, Orlando needs a guy like that, uh, But so as does Oklahoma City. Um, so, I mean, now at this point, uh, it'll be interesting to see what Oklahoma City does. I mean, I don't think anyone thought that we would get to this point. Uh, <laughs> no. The number six pick with, uh, like, nothing happening. So, yeah. I mean, maybe there is something that's happened behind the scenes, but, uh, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. The man. Thunder have three and a half minutes to make their selection. Um, how crazy would it be to see Oklahoma City move out of this pick and move down? I, I think that would uh, that would be just complete insanity. Um I, I will say this, and we talked about this when we were here for the NBA draft lottery and how big a night it was because, you know, potentially that night also was, was one of those things that depending which way the thing landed, you know, it potentially changes your fortunes. Oklahoma City was really unlucky to land number six because, again, when you look at the top four players in this draft, it was not a guarantee, and I heard so many people just saying, Oklahoma City can move up in this draft. It's not a problem. They have all the assets in the world. They can easily move up in this draft. Well, you know what? As of right now, we haven't seen it yet. I'm not saying it can't happen, but you and I were both saying back on lottery night, like it's not as simple as that. We're talking about a bunch of bad teams that all want difference makers. And the Thunder, yes, they have a ton of draft assets. They have a ton of draft capital, but there's no guarantee that a lot of those picks are going to become top four picks to take the Jalen Suggs and the Jalen Greens. And if you're already in that in that situation to take a Cade Cunningham number one, why would you trade out of it and cross your fingers and say, I'm going to get a couple picks and I hope those picks land where I'm at right now. It just doesn't make any sense. So I was always hopeful that the Thunder could move up, but I was very cautious about whether they, that, would, that was going to be able to happen. That's why these picks are so valuable. Right. And, you know, we knew that this was a, a, a top four draft even before 
um, the uh, the draft lottery happened. And when uh, OKC ended up with six, you know, you start to think like, okay, you got the like you were saying the tiers. If you're if you're one of these top four or five teams, and then you look at six, uh, uh, potentially what you know could come out of it. I, I'm I'm not trading uh, out of my spot just to get uh, number six and some future assets. When I when I see uh, the Cade Cuttinghams, the Evan Mobleys, I see their potential. I'm not trading out of that just to go to six. All right, I, uh, I I just saw the spoiler from Shams as the Thunder are a minute and 15 seconds away uh, from making the selection. I just saw the spoiler on Twitter. I am uh, I'm going to record this because I, I think there are going to be a lot of shocked people in this building momentarily. Uh, we we um, I don't know this pick by the way, so I'm Will not does know not the- know. So so Will's going to have uh, a little bit of a, a reaction as well to what the Thunder are going to do here. Um, I'm uh, wow, wow, I, 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 wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm getting the camera ready. I'm recording chalk because I think uh, there are going to be a lot of really confused people in this building in are a matter we, of moments. Are we going? Are we bringing out the torches or? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll talk about it in a moment. Oh man! Come on, Adam Silver, get to the podium. <laughs> I don't want to spoil this thing for anybody that's that's watching along with I'm, us, I'm, uh, that's watching the draft and listening to us at the same time. I'm not going to do that tonight, guys. So I'm uh, very in, curious now. Unless it's a situation where we're trying to um, make a trade clear exactly what has happened. Did you? I think Aaron just saw it. Okay. <laughs> Aaron Davis just saw it as well, and his he, face wasn't good. His face was not good. So <laughs> I'm. Uh, <laughs> Maybe it, okay. Just to be uh, throw out some positivity, maybe this is a, a time where the Raptors uh, or the Magic and the, and the Thunder are making a trade, and this is the guy that the Magic wanted. It could be. You know what? That, that could be the situation. I mean, we just talked about that. Sometimes these teams make picks for the other team, and uh, here we go. Adam Silver's at the podium. Will Brewer, what are the Oklahoma City Thunder doing? Josh Giddy, a guard that doesn't shoot the ball? I mean, I guess that is on point for Sam Presti. Um, An international player that doesn't shoot the basketball. Oh, man. Will, give me something here, man. I don't understand this pick at all. This is, look, if, I, if I'm going to throw out the positives, he has terrific court vision. He has a terrific handle. Uh, he's a guy that can play the, the true point guard role, but he's not dynamic offensively. He is not dynamic athletically, and he is not a threat to shoot the basketball from beyond the arc. Oh, man. Uh, I wasn't expecting to see Josh Giddy uh, for another uh, five, six, seven picks. But, I mean, he's, he's six, eight. Uh, and he, he knows how to pass the ball. He's been uh, he's been playing uh, professionally since he was a uh, um, since he was I believe sixteen or seventeen. Uh, I'm very surprised at the pick. Um, I, it, man, I'm kind of I'm kind of at a loss for words um, because I, ah man I don't know. Um, I, I mean he's a point guard. He'll be able to run the show, but. Um, yeah, and, and he but he's does. not a threat to shoot the ball. Yeah, he's like not. Like, they're a- showing a picture of Ben Simmons right now. 
<laughs> and I think that's somewhat of a decent comp, but Ben Simmons, at least athletically, is explosive, whereas right. I, I don't see it with this guy. Like, I, I think he does have high basketball IQ. Like yes, I said, the court very. vision, like, you can tell, like, he sees the floor really well, and he sees plays developing really well. And I like that part of his game, but, like, do I like that part of his game so much that I'm taking him number six in the NBA draft? Like, there are, there are some pretty glaring deficiencies, in my opinion, on this guy. Yeah, like you said, you know, Ben Simmons doesn't shoot the ball, but at least he brings uh, a very high level of defense uh, and his, his ability just to be explosive. But, yeah, you don't really see that with, with Josh Giddy. Um, you definitely don't really see uh, uh, any type of high-level defense. Uh, but, I mean, I guess you, just that high-level basketball IQ, uh, what, you bring to the t what he brings to the table. Um, and, I mean, I guess you compare him with, with Shea in the backcourt. Um, I, uh, I, I rated Josh Giddy as the number 13 player in this draft today when I, when I went through my lottery big board. Yeah, I, I, I think I had him uh, at 11 or, or 12, yeah. but, yeah. Not uh, a, not, certainly not in the top 10. And oh, I'll, no. And, Will, to be honest with you, there wasn't even top 10 consideration from me. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, man. I... I Man, I'm so shocked at this pick. I definitely thought that it was going to be uh, uh, Kaminga uh, or Boat Knight, one of those guys, but um, I definitely wasn't expecting Giddy, man. That's it's pretty shocking. Here's the part that also makes this pick extremely disappointing. To go from pick five and crossing your fingers that oh, you're going to land Jalen Suggs <laughs> to getting Josh Giddy with the next pick feels like a punch to the face. Yeah. I mean, if Jalen Suggs were gone and then Scotty Barnes goes five, it's not as bad to take Josh Giddy. But, like, to go from, hey, we may hit a home run if Jalen Suggs slips one more spot to Josh Giddy, a guy that doesn't shoot the ball well in a league that you really need to shoot the ball well. Now, when, when you were telling me that people were going to be confused, I was really thinking about uh, the Davian Mitchells of the world. You know, like, is maybe, yeah. maybe they picked him. But we're talking about a guy who is out of the top ten and on a lot of big boards. Not even, not just ours. On a lot yeah. of big boards, he was out of out of the uh, top ten. Uh, I, I believe that there were there definitely are better players and better fits for the Thunder. But uh, obviously, they saw something really special in this kid uh, to to keep him. So, you know, it could be a situation where uh, they they just desperately tried everything they could to move up and it failed and they were stuck in a spot where they you know just had to make a selection and I, man i don't know i book night to me would have made a lot more sense um yeah. i like moses moody from arkansas to yeah. me would have made a lot more sense in that spot um and again i like it i'm not i'm not saying that the guy doesn't have good parts of his game like sometimes when you are disappointed with a pick it sounds like you're just shitting all over a player right and <laughs> I, I get that it sounds like we're doing that but you know in the top 10 of the NBA draft to take a guy that is a perimeter player that but not a threat to score from the perimeter again if we're talking about 20 years ago it's a different story but in today's NBA to have that kind of that's just it's Ben Simmons. It's yeah. Russell Westbrook. It's there's a number of those guys, and we just see what a detriment they can be when it really matters. Uh, and I I don't get it, man. It's good. I mean, you could just tell by by what kind of player he is how 
uh, these NBA teams are going to defend him. They know he's going to be looking to, to play, make. They know he's going to be looking to get into the paint. So just kind of yeah. build a wall, pack the paint, you know. Yeah. Um, really, really force shade him to, uh, to, to have to make these make these decisions because, I mean, Giddy's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, but uh, if, if, if the defenses aren't even, aren't even guarding him, I mean, what what is he going to give you? He's gonna, is he going to take it and make the outside shots? Yeah. I had heard the comp on Giddy uh, was LaMelo Ball, but I don't even feel like I, – I, I guess I see it in the sense that he's a long ball handler that, that doesn't use a lot of explosiveness – isn't you know Lamelo's not necessarily a great shooter either, but I feel like there's a Mel, Lamelo plays the game at least with a certain level of physicality against NBA players that you know he he, he doesn't fall short in that department, and that's I, I think a massive difference with this guy trying to do those same things at the NBA level. Yeah, it's it's a huge difference from overseas to the NBA level. And, and LaMelo had a, a little bit of an, a, an adjustment period. But once he got the swing of NBA basketball, he really took off. All right, so the Golden State Warriors make their selection at number seven, Will. There was also a lot of speculation that Golden State could potentially trade out of this pick. Uh, the pick is Jonathan Kaminga, forward uh, G League player, just like Jalen Green. Um, this is a guy that I, I don't feel like has a lot of polish at all. I think he's extremely raw. I think there is a lot of upside if you're able to if you know if you're able to turn that light bulb in, in his head on uh I, I think there is massive upside here he's also a guy that i had closer to 10 in my rankings just because i think there are questions uh but i mean there's no doubt that there is massive upside with this guy compared to some of the other guys that we're going to see drafted in the next few picks yeah and jonathan kaminga is, is a very very elite athlete and for him to be as long as he is, uh, he's going to be able to defend multiple positions as well. Um, while he, he is raw, um, I think uh, playing in the G League, it's really going to help uh, Kaminga and Green. So I think just that level, um, I, I think it's just different from, I think it's just different from the uh, from the college level to play in the G League. So I think just having that experience is going to be is going to work wonders for him. Um, he scored the ball really well at, at the G League level. I think he averaged uh, 16 a game. So um, if he's able to translate that into the into the NBA, carve out a niche in, in the NBA, uh, he, he is raw, like you said, but uh, he, he, is a, um, he has a lot of upside. Are we making hashtag giddy up happen? <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> like, do we need to just go all in on hashtag giddy up? I think at this point we just, we're just going to have to. I think uh, at this point... Uh, this is uh, who the Thunder have selected, now, and they feel pretty confident in, in him to pick him over some of these guys, to pick him at six. So, uh, giddy up, man. Thunder gonna, uh, uh, they're behind it, so we're going to have to jump on board. All right. Uh, our first prize winner, by the way, for the skateboard, the Kona skateboard tonight is Ben Young. So congratulations to Ben Young. You have won the Kona Skateboard. Awesome, awesome prizes. We still have the uh, Kona Grizzly Cooler, which, by the way, I, I would love to take home. Right. And the Magic Johnson signed basketball as the, uh, the grand prize. So first winner of the night, Ben Young, you have won the Kona Skateboard. Um, wow, Will. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> 
yeah, I mean. I, I, look, I'll say this about the Kaminga pick. I think it's perfect for Golden State because they don't need him to come in and be the guy. Yeah. I mean, he can, a lot like Wiseman a year ago, although, you know, we all understand what happened there. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, God willing, comes back are, you know, the, the drivers of that car. And Kaminga is going to be asked to just, you know, do some things for that team and not necessarily have to, to develop rapidly like he might in some other situations. So I honestly don't think there could have been a better fit from Kaminga's standpoint. Absolutely, because when you're a, when you're a guy as raw as Kaminga, you want to go to a championship level organization and Golden State is as good as it gets. Um, and like you said, he's not going to be he's not going to come in and be asked to be the the guy. Uh, he can come in and develop slowly and with a guy as raw as Kaminga, but who also has a lot of talent. Um, it's, it's a perfect situation for him because he can uh, have a slow build and it's only going to work out for him. Um, I, just just gauging by my Twitter timeline at the moment, I have not seen a single Thunder fan that's had anything positive to say <laughs> about Sam Presti, the number six selection, or Josh Giddy. I mean, li like you said before, Sam Presti knows, you know, he's he's very smart when it comes to this stuff. Uh, maybe he saw something in uh, Josh Giddy that we're just uh, overlooking and that we're completely missing. Yeah. But um, I mean, I think it's fair to say they've obviously seen a significant more amount of Josh Giddy than we have. So, I, you know, I, we're all willing to admit that, you know, it's not he's not an American player. He didn't right. play here. We don't have the opportunity to see nearly as much of him as, you know, the rest of the guys that are being taken tonight at the same time. Uh, I mean, I, how much more could there be right. to evaluate? It's, I don't know. The Orlando Magic selecting here. Uh, did we have a, what happened with this pick? Orlando is selecting Franz Wagner, big man out of Michigan. I actually like this guy's game. Uh, I, I, he's he's uh, I think he's a little sneaky good. Yeah, that that's the perfect comparison. Just to say that he's sneaky good. Uh, he was a, a a leader for Michigan this uh, this past season. Uh, that took him to the NCAA tournament. Um, he, he can shoot. I mean, in the tournament, I feel like we didn't really get a, a good gauge on his game because he didn't really play that well in the tournament. But um, he's got he's got an NBA body. Um, uh, he's He's got a lot of size, 6'9", 220. Um, yeah, I mean, I see I, it says on, on the graphic he's versatile. I didn't really see much uh, of the defensive side, but I really like how his, yeah. he can play inside and out. So, I mean, uh, Orlando saw something special in him. I, I think, you know, he obviously has the ability to shoot the ball. When I said sneaky good, I was surprised with how good he was in pick-and-roll situations offensively. Um, I'm with you. I don't know about the defensive side as much, but I would say I do like his footwork. And, again, yeah. going back to how good I felt like he was in a lot of those pick-and-roll situations, that's a product of him having some pretty decent footwork. So if you kind of do the simple math – I would say that you have to at least like his upside in that department uh, because, you know, there are a lot of big men that are just extremely stiff defensively because they have no footwork whatsoever. And at least from that standpoint, I like what, what he brings to the table. Yeah, and, and the pick and roll is something that's uh, so huge in, in this game. And I feel like uh, with, Wagner, with Wagner, what they could do 
Um, they could I think have... we pronounce it Wagner, Wagner? by the way. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, the UFC Brazilians with the oh, R, the R's or H's. You know, the Hodri instead of Rodriguez in America. You know, they go Rodriguez. I think it's the same thing with uh, with Franz. I think they go Wagner with the W's. Wagner. Okay. Yeah. So I th what I think <laughs> Orlando can do with him, I think that um, he he could play a, a little bit of five uh, as a as a stretch five. Uh, while also being able to uh, to shoot the three and uh, if his defense is like that, to be able to guard some uh, perimeter players as well. So um, definitely uh, adding some depth uh the Orlando Magic. The uh, Sacramento Kings are on the clock at, uh, at number nine. Uh, we still have about seven more picks until Oklahoma City is back on the clock with their 16th selection. Um, off the Josh Giddy pick, let me just ask you this. Are the Thunder really going to make three first-round picks tonight and hold on to all three of those guys? Let's also not forget they have those two picks at the beginning of the second round as well, which are not guaranteed contracts. And, and you know, I, I know that we get to the end of the first round and we're not talking about a bunch of super talented guys, but it is kind of your opportunity to take that lottery shot, right? Like hope that you just hit a home run on a long shot the problem is when you're picking 28, you're obligated to that guy for the next four seasons. Whereas when you're picking 32nd, you know you can cut that guy if, if at any point when you feel like, hey, this isn't working out. It's not a guaranteed contract. So I do feel like the Thunder are gonna want to take some long shots with those two picks. Or, or look, there might be a player that slides to that point that we're all wowed by. But um, I, 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 I don't know what they're. I, are they going to hold on to these other two first-round picks? I mean, that's what it's looking like to me. Uh, I think if we were going to see anything with those with those uh, later picks with 16 and 18, I think it was going to be packaged with six for something uh, for something else. But uh, I think now um, everyone's kind of standing pat and making trades or uh, making picks. So uh, I think the Thunder are going to are going to keep it. I, I tend to think though, with uh, with 16, Giddy might have dropped to 16. <laughs> like maybe they could have maybe maybe they could have kept uh, picked someone else and, and still got Giddy at sixteen. Yeah, I saw, I did see a lot of mock drafts that kind of had him in that nine, ten, eleven, twelve range. Or if they wanted him uh, that but, much, yeah, uh, package those two picks, uh, sixteen and eighteen, to move up and uh, to like twelve or something to get him. But uh, Giddy at six, man, it's uh, man. Um, by the way, uh, I do have a quote from Giddy, who says, Oklahoma City is actually one of my favorite teams, so to be taken by them is a dream come true. Well, um, I, I'm not sure that the, a lot of Thunder fans will, uh, will agree about the dream come true part. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean we're, we're throwing out jokes and everything, but... You know, congratulations to Josh Giddy on, uh, yeah, on getting sure. selected. Yeah. Uh, for sure, uh, it's his dream. He uh, is putting everything on the table, coming to America to play the uh, the game of basketball, and uh, you know, props to him. Uh, so he's been playing since he's 17, and now he's re realizing his NBA dream. Yeah, and look, I mean, at the end of the day, above and beyond everything else, like 60 guys are going to have their name called, and 60 guys are going to live their childhood dream of Absolutely. being selected in the NBA draft and and more than anything else that's what it's all about and you know again it's it's a it's a night of celebration for all these guys and you know like I said at the beginning for a few lucky franchises it potentially 
swings the fortunes one way or the other, uh, and uh, at least as of right now, it's uh, not feeling like Oklahoma City's done that in the positive direction. Yeah, because when you think about the small market teams, you see what Milwaukee did, and you see what how how they built it. You know, they built around Giannis. Uh, they did it the right way, and you and you tend to think like Oklahoma City, this is their chance, and uh, so now you like. Is Josh Giddy that guy that's going to take the Thunder over the top? So, a lot of questions. By the way, I know this is a basketball show, but there is uh, monstrous MLB news. The Washington Nationals are trading All-Stars Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the defending champion L.A. Dodgers. So, Max Scherzer joining that Dodgers rotation, Trey Turner one of the best shortstops in baseball, also going to the Dodgers. So just some breaking news to catch you guys up on from that department. But we have a selection, Will. The Sacramento Kings take Davion Mitchell, guard out of Baylor. I love watching this kid play. Uh, number Two things that I really love about him. Number one, he has elite burst when oh, yeah. getting separation to either take that step-back jumper or to get to the basket. I mean, his burst is dare I say Iverson-esque, I mean, that's the kind, it's, it's just zero to 100, and he's either by you and getting a layup, or he's rocked you one way, and he's gone back the other way, and he's shooting a fadeaway. Uh, and secondly, tenacious defender. I, I love yeah. the fact that for as good and skilled as he is offensively, that it doesn't impact anything on the other end. He's still a dog defensively. Baylor wins the national championship, and he was a really big part of it. When you when you think of a guy like Davion Mitchell, uh, uh, dog is a perfect term term for him. Throughout that tournament, uh, Baylor really took it to a lot of these teams defensively, and he was the catalyst of it, uh, picking up guys uh, full court, um, but also still being able to hit big shots on the other end. Um, man, uh, he's an elite athlete, and he's going to bring a lot of toughness and like look, like look at his defense, like. They're showing he, clips of him locking up Kate Cunningham, the number one pick in this draft. And, and, he, and he accepts these challenges. Yes. He never backs down from it. Like, Davion Mitchell is, yes. a, is an elite prospect. He's going to be special in this league. I liked him as a top ten pick, not because I think he's going to be a star or, look, maybe he's never even a starting point guard. But Davion Mitchell's going to play a decade in this league. Yeah, absolutely. He will be on an NBA, you know, barring injury, Davion Mitchell's going to play for ten-plus years in this league because he, he, he handles the ball. He's so quick that he will be a problem defensively, and he defends. Yeah, and, and I think that he's uh, such a special talent that he doesn't even have to be the guy that runs point guard. He can play off the ball, uh, still bring you a lot of defensive tenacity while being able to shoot the ball at a high level. So there's a lot that you can do with a guy like Davion Mitchell. He's going to Sacramento, and you got a guy like De'Aaron Fox who's there. you got Buddy Hill there. you got uh, Halliburton who's there. So there's a lot of different things that you can do um, when you add Davion Mitchell to that mix. Uh, he brings a, a defensive toughness to that team that that team really lacks. So uh, this is a perfect uh, pick for the, for the Sacramento Kings. Davion Mitchell, guard Baylor is the pick to the Sacramento Kings at number nine. All right, Will, we have a trade here. This happened a few days ago. Fan favorite in OKC, Steven Adams was involved in a trade along with Eric Bledsoe and the number 10 and 40th pick overall, plus a protected 2022 first round selection uh, to the Grizzlies. The Pelicans receive Jonas Valanciunas and the 17th and 51st overall picks 
in this draft. Uh, so Steven Adams, I, I tweeted this the other day, Steven Adams is the most Memphis Grizzlies player oh. on the Memphis Grizzlies roster, and he's not even played a game. He fits what the Memphis Grizzlies are, that grit and grind persona, maybe better than anybody in the NBA. But that aside, uh, you know, they, they make this move, and now it's uh, the number 10 pick in the draft. Yes. I mean, Steven Adams in Memphis, uh, just that style, that's like a match made in heaven. Uh, Steven Adams, uh, I mean, the way he sets screens, it's going to be great for a guy like John Morant to free him up. Uh, uh, on the boards, he's a dog on the boards. Uh, and, he, and he finishes around the rim really well. So um, very, very good for, for Memphis to pick up a guy like Steven Adams. Uh, I don't think they're going to pick Bledsoe or uh, keep Bledsoe. And uh, New Orleans got a very good uh, prospect in Valanciunas. All right, here we go. The selection is Zaire Williams from Stanford. I told you before we started this, uh, this is a guy I really like. I love the upside. Uh, he is He's what everybody in the NBA is looking for at this point. He's a 6'8 guy, really good handle, shoots the ball well, uh, sees the floor well, good vision. Um, I honestly thought this might be, if, if Sam Presti was going to surprise us with a player at number six, I kind of thought this might be the option because you're talking about length, athleticism. Uh, he's, he's out of Stanford. Uh, right. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, again, I think people just associate Stanford with uh, smart basketball players. But uh, I, I do like this kid a lot. I think he has a lot of upside. Yeah, I was honestly surprised that he was uh, as low as he was on some of the big boards. Uh, like you said, he's a very, very uh, skilled scorer. He'd shoot the ball, uh, and he's long uh, at 6'8", at 6'9". Six, six, um, I mean, he, he's kind of slim, but I think as uh, the years pile on, he'll be able to add, uh, add, add some NBA size. And he, he, he's an athlete, but at the same time, he brings a lot of skill to the table. So... Uh, Zaire Williams, uh, he's going to be a very, very interesting prospect in the, in the NBA. And he's going to New Orleans, um, where I think he'll be able to grow. Or Memphis, right? Going is to Memphis? Memphis. This is New Orleans uh, right, traded right, right, the okay, pick okay. to Memphis. But again, this is, this is why I hate That's this right. so much, because there's so much confusion on draft night, because <laughs> they don't actually make the the trade can't become official yet, so they have to show the old team's logo as the team that's selecting him, and it gets... It becomes a confusing mess, and just wait till they start doing the three-team trades where you literally have <laughs> no idea who is taking who. But, yeah, he is, he is headed to the Memphis Grizzlies, and I like the fit there. And he's so. taking the picture in the, in the Pelicans hat. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, uh, the Hornets are on the clock with pick number 11 in this first-round draft. Uh, will, we will let you take a quick timeout. Um, Kind of gather your thoughts, go purchase your Josh Giddy Thunder jersey, and uh, we'll hear Aaron Davis' thoughts on uh, what happened with Oklahoma City and this number six pick. Once again, Colby Daniels, Will Brewer, and Aaron Davis here at Chalk in Chisholm Creek. It is draft night. Shout out to Kona Brewing, by the way, as uh, the Kona girls have been there. They've been passing out Kona beers. We have uh, beer specials from Kona. Every Kona purchase tonight gets you also an extra entry into our uh, big giveaway. We still have to give away the Kona Grizzly Cooler. We still have to give away the Magic Johnson autographed basketball. It's the NBA draft, and we're giving away a signed basketball of one of the greatest number one overall selections in NBA history, the, numbers, the number one pick in the 1979 draft. So 
Uh, good stuff. Aaron Davis, I'm ready to hear you yell about uh, about the number six pick. Uh, so I was I was setting the stage. I was uh, I, I accidentally I don't like to see the spoilers, but I accidentally saw the spoiler with uh, what selection Oklahoma City was making at number six, and I was just ready to watch everybody else's reaction when they actually announced it in the broadcast. Uh, I think Aaron did the same thing and accidentally saw the spoiler pick on Twitter as well before it was announced. And uh, Aaron, your reaction was was what the heck? Yeah, well, first off, I've been on Twitter the whole draft, and that's the only one that's gotten spoiled for me so far was the the Josh... uh, I can't even think of his name right now. Uh, Josh Giddy. Giddy. Josh Giddy. Just remember hashtag Giddy Giddy up. up. There you go. Hashtag Um, Giddy up. Yeah, I'm not super Giddy about the pick necessarily, but look, it's kind of a double-edged sword because he's not necessarily a guy that any of us were familiar with because he, I mean, he's 18 out of Australia. He played in Australia last year, right? In the Australian League, yeah. Yeah, So. No, none of us were really familiar with him. We haven't really watched a lot of like actual game footage of him. It's been I like try to YouTube him after the pick, and it's just a lot of a lot of highlight stuff. But yeah. uh, just based on what you read on the scouting report, I mean, okay, so let's say that it's Giddy and and Shea is the backcourt that they're looking at for the next three to four years. Well, okay, well, you're not going to take the ball to Shea's hand. That would be stupid. He's the best player on the floor for the Thunder. So right. you're going to have an off-ball guard whose best skill set is his passing. Yes. So, may, I mean, maybe that's the writing on the wall that Shea potentially is involved in a trade at some point. There were rumors about that for the last week. Um, look, I, I would say this. I, it's, it's fair to say that none of us have had nearly as much exposure to, to Josh Giddy as we have to anybody else that's been right. selected to this point. At the same time, it's also fair to say, like, the knocks on this guy are athleticism, explosiveness, and ability to shoot the basketball. Which, one of those is a given if the Thunder are drafting a player. We know they're not getting a guy that can shoot the ball. So, but, yeah, the explosiveness and the athleticism, it's, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm a little flabbergasted by the pick, honestly. Like, I knew he was in that lottery range for a lot of mock drafts. Yeah. uh, Because... A lot of people just love his IQ and his floor vision and his ability to, you know, kind of make the guys around him better. But how do you make the guys around you better when you're not going to have the ball in your hands most of the time when you're on the floor? Yeah. And I think there's also the the part of this where if you're a Thunder fan, and look, I'm, I'm a big Jalen Suggs fan. So, like, there was kind of the situation where Orlando takes Scotty Barnes, the Thunder are one pick from being on the clock, and Jalen Suggs is still yeah. available. And you start to you start to think... Like, what if they move up a pick? What if he slips another pick? Like, Jalen Suggs could be a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and to go from that to a pick later, it's Josh Giddy, is a massive swing as far as the the emotional reaction for a Thunder fan. So, first off, just from, you know, Suggs being at five, are you going to tell me that they couldn't put a, a package together to get that pick from Orlando? I mean, Orlando already has Cole Anthony, and look, I mean... Uh, Markel Fultz is what he is kind of at this point. He's he's progressed somewhat nicely since he's moved to Orlando, but like he's not he's not the high ceiling guy that we thought he was coming out of that draft. You're not passing on a franchise point guard for the sake of Markel Fultz, is, right? Is the thing, yeah. But you're gonna tell me they couldn't put together an enticing package to get up to five, and maybe I mean I'm surely they called because I can't imagine that they sat there 
looking at the six pick, knowing yeah. that Suggs was at five, and they didn't try to make a move. I'm honestly surprised that Toronto didn't trade out of four. Like, yeah, to go with the uh, the kid uh, Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes. That, yeah, there's been so many names thrown out of me tonight. Uh, Scotty Barnes. Yeah, yeah. Who we we talked about before the show is kind of like a he's kind of like a glue guy. He's kind of like a Draymond Green guy who's just kind of gonna be there to make high IQ plays and. Help a, a good team be better, which is what Toronto needs. But they could find those in, you know, a lot of avenues. But, uh, yeah, it just sucks, though, to be kind of that close to Jalen Suggs without having to move out of six because you watch Jalen Suggs play, and he's, he's 18 years old. But I, I don't look at him as an 18-year-old. Like, I watch him play at Gonzaga, and he looks like he's 25 years old. Looks like he's, like, close to his prime as far as, like, his IQ and his abilities on the floor. So... Uh, Orlando, I mean, they nailed it right there with that sucks pick. They got lucky too, yeah. obviously. But it would I, th- I thought he was the second best player in this draft. I told Will that earlier. Like when I put my big board together, it was Cade one. It was Jalen Suggs two. I like Jalen Suggs is not going to be a bad basketball player. No. Now we can all have the conversation about how good he is and the ceiling, and and you know that's the separation I think between Cade and, and Suggs is Cade's ceiling. If everything goes in his favor, is you know league MVP potentially. I don't necessarily see league MVP with Jalen Suggs. But I see, you know, potentially all-star caliber player. He does everything well. And, uh, yeah, to go, to go from a guy that, that you literally can't find weaknesses to a guy that has some pretty glaring weaknesses right. is I also mean, a big issue. And like I said five times in the five minutes I've been on here, his strengths aren't something you can really utilize with Shea on the team. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could – I mean, I guess Giddy could be like – excuse me, like the sixth man and just kind of run the point yeah. with that second unit. But, I mean, they don't really have guys around him that he could really facilitate to right now. Yeah. I mean, what's he going to do, throw passes to Darius Baisley? Mike Muscala? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the Charlotte Hornets picking at number 11 have made their selection. Aaron, they take James Booknight, the guard out of UConn, and for the last week, Pretty much every NBA mind that I've heard talk about the draft has associated James Booknight and the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think Thunder fans over the last week had kind of grown comfortable to this guy potentially being the pick at six if the Thunder didn't make a move. I think he, you could make the argument he's the best pure scorer in this draft. Uh, To see him matched with uh, LaMelo in Charlotte is is a really interesting dynamic. You know, it's interesting that uh, Charlotte ends up with this pick. UConn guard, right, let, let me know, tell me if this reminds you of anybody. UConn guard, uh, super athletic, great finisher, great shooter inside the three-point line, athletic. He's a little bit taller than the first iteration yeah. of this guy, but yeah. great. I mean, does it remind you of anybody? Spot on, spot on. Yeah, it's, he's a current look, Oklahoma City Thunder, Thunder guard, guard Kimba Walker. And, yeah. and look, if Book Knight can uh, develop his three-point shot like Kimba did, because Kimba coming out of the draft, he was he never shot threes at UConn. Yeah. I mean, it was at, it was to the basket every time or maybe pull up from 18 feet, but Kimba obviously developed a, to be a good three-point shooter and an all-around offensive guard. So, I mean, if Book Knight can be that and, you know, pair that with LaMelo, like Charlotte's – I mean, it only took Michael 20 years, but he's finally putting together a <laughs> decent team in, in Charlotte. And uh, they're fun to watch. I mean, last year they were – one of my league pass teams whenever yeah. I would actually tune into league pass because, uh, I mean, just when you kind of look what they've got, there, Terry Rozier, uh, LaMelo, now Book Knight, like they're, they've got some pieces around there. I don't know how long Rozier is going to end up being there long term, but, uh, I mean, they've got pieces for sure. I asked Will this earlier. Uh, Giddy's the pick at six. Are the Thunder going to make both of those other two first-round selections? Well, with Book Knight being off the board, 
I think so. I think, I think if somebody like Jalen Johnson's still there at 16, I think you, I think you kind of just wait it out. Unless you're worried he's going to go before 16, then I would yeah. probably, I, I would probably give up those two picks and move up to like, you know, hell, 12. If if San, if you think San Antonio might take Jalen Johnson, then I'd move up to 12 and take him. Um, you know, I mean, if, I know you like him. I know you're a fan of yeah, him. Yeah, I like uh, Jalen Johnson a lot. You know, I, I like Moses Moody from Arkansas. Yeah, a great lot. shooter. Um, again, he's a guy that. Maybe isn't an all-star, but he's a guy that, that plays good minutes for you and is going to be one of your best five players, and he's going to do a lot for you. Um, I like Chris Duarte out of Oregon Another quite a shooter, bit. Yeah. Or, um, he's actually not a great shooter. He's a great scorer, though. Great scorer, um, great defender, and just plays his ass off. I mean, that's the one thing that really stands out to me is he just he plays harder than everybody on the court around him. Uh, those are two guys, Jalen Johnson. Um, the problem with Moody and... Uh, and uh, the kid out of Oregon, though, is they're kind of old. I mean, you're, you're taking guys that are, what, 23? Moody's a freshman, but yes, the, the Oregon kid, Duarte, is like Duarte 24. Four, yeah, think, okay, yeah. so, okay, Moody's He's, a freshman. Yeah, yeah, Moody's a freshman. Moody, to me, is, like, right now, I think Moody's the best player available. Uh, Jalen Johnson's probably next, uh, and then Duarte. Duarte. Um, Ty Jones do anything for you? No. I mean, a big, he, I. I, I was looking at Kai's uh, stat line earlier, and obviously the skill set's there with him, like a big dude that's athletic that can shoot and space the floor and is a pretty decent defender, but, like, I mean, he played 20 minutes a game in Texas last year. Yeah. Like, that's got to be a big red flag for a lot of teams, which, right. I mean, that's why he's falling, obviously. But, I yeah. mean, Jericho Sims played better than he did most of the season, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, Kai really splashed in that uh, in the Big Twelve Championship game, and you saw what you know you could get without it, him. But I mean, it's not like a lot of teams are looking at you know stretch bigs that defend well and saying, ah, I don't know, we probably have enough of those. So, what do you think about Keon Johnson, Tennessee kid? Yeah, crazy so, athletic. Crazy. I mean, he might be the most athletic guy in this draft. I mean, Cade obviously is a freak just because of his size and like what he could do. But just yeah. from like a pure athletic standpoint, like Jalen Green and Keon Johnson probably. The two guys at the top, yeah. Uh, as far as you know, just wow factor. But I mean, his games were pretty raw. I mean, he's not a great shooter. Um, Are you prepared for Corey Kispert to be the selection at 16? That way, you draft the guy that doesn't shoot the ball well and passes for the guy that doesn't handle the ball well but shoots well. I mean, you get a two for one. If you combine Kispert and Giddy, that's a good player. Into one player, it might be the best player in the draft. I mean, have the Thunder ever drafted a shooter? Ever? Have they ever went into I mean, the first round? I mean, considering they pick? didn't actually, the Thunder didn't actually draft Kevin Durant. Seattle did. Yeah, but he's uh, not a shooter. Kevin Durant was a scorer. Yeah, but he shoots the ball pretty damn well. Oh well, yeah, but I, I mean, okay, but you'd have to be stupid to pass on Kevin Durant. Yeah. So. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's an exception. And it wasn't even the Thunder; it was Seattle. Same, but it was Presti yeah. still. I mean, he was there. But have they ever drafted like? All those like mid lottery, into lottery, like early, like late teens, early twenties picks they've had. Have they ever drafted a guy that was a shooter? I guess Terrence Ferguson was supposed to be a three. Yeah, he was supposed to be a shooter, but that didn't obviously work out. Supposed to be a three and D guy, but yeah, I mean, Reggie Jackson was kind of viewed as a combo guard, but I kind of felt like he was more of a bulk scorer than. Yeah, and his shooting got has it gotten got, better it got as better, he, yeah. yeah, it was not what it was when he was OKC at this point. But yeah, but. no, I think the answer is no. So no, I don't think they're going to draft Corey Kispert. 
Well, I mean, we've known the Thunder to be the team that always drafts long athletic guys, and they drafted a really unathletic guy. Over a raw, super long athletic guy in Kaminga who yeah, went seven. So, they uh, could have had an NBA champion at seven because Kaminga's going to win a title this year. So maybe maybe it is Corey Kispert. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. What, what makes sense to you? I mean, to, to try and pair with this roster and Josh Giddy based on if you're going need, what makes sense to you? Joshua oh, Primo. Primo. Wow. Great name, by the way. Primo name. Uh, as far as what makes sense to me, I mean, you need a big. You, you traded Moses Brown to Boston. Obviously, Steven Adams isn't coming back to Oklahoma City at this point unless Memphis decides to trade him in a couple of months, which is highly unlikely. I wouldn't say highly unlikely, but I think it's unlikely that Oklahoma City brings him back. But I think you need a center. You need a big. You need somebody that can protect the paint and rebound right now on this team. Yeah. Uh, I, I know Jalen Johnson isn't that guy because he's kind of like that point forward role, but I think that Jalen Johnson's another guy that you can you could bring in because they don't have – you can never have too many ball handlers. And I know they just drafted Giddy, but yeah. someone that's dynamic. And Jalen Johnson, I think he has a pretty high ceiling. I don't know where I his floor is at. His floor is probably not super high or as high as you would like it to be, but – I agree with that. And part of it is, you know, there there's uh, – a lot of people are down on him because of – leaving Duke and there's been a lot of questions about you know the, the personality traits and and look you know I, I I have a hard time going down those avenues because we literally know nothing about that like I'm I'm strictly evaluating him from the basketball perspective but like I think the guy he's 6'8 uh good athlete um I think he could be more explosive than he shows uh, I think he tries way too hard to to play big and and down on the block. I think he's a three in the NBA. He's not playing the four, um, but I like the upside there. But but you're right. I think he probably is a guy that also has a lower floor than some of the other guys. Which when I mean, the Thunder, there's no reason to draft high floor, low ceiling guys right now. Draft lo- draft guys that their floor is below the basement. It's six feet under the ground, but there's. But their ceiling is the Empire State Building. Like, there's no reason to not take a chance on every guy in this draft. Um, I mean, if you want somebody that's a little bit more of a sure thing, maybe a guy like Trey Murphy. Um, I mean, obviously, he played at Virginia, so you would have to assume that he could play pretty damn good defense or, you know, at least reasonably good defense. But he's a good shooter. He's big. Yeah. Um, Maybe a guy like that, if you're looking just for somebody for Giddy to pass to, uh, you know, and just be a catch-and-shoot guy. I don't know. There's not really a lot of ways they can go that I say that it's stupid. But, I mean, maybe an off-ball guard that can't shoot is probably not the best route. But who knows? I mean, maybe Giddy can be, develop into a good shooter. He's only 18. Who's so. the next worst shooter in this draft? That might be your uh, perimeter player. That that might be the pick I mean, that would I mean, really frustrate Thunder fans. But. I mean, if you're just talking from the perimeter, I mean, Book Knight's not great. But he's win already, so I guess... I mean, he's a great scorer, obviously, but yeah. from uh, shooting from three, he's not. He leaves a little bit there to be desired. I don't know. I'd like. I just look at what's available in the rest of this draft. It's a lot of guards, and I don't know. I don't know if you draft another guard where I mean, he fits you, in right now. If you're drafting, th- there are a couple players that are still available right now that I think if if you're at 16, needs out the window, and you take Moses Moody or you take Jalen Johnson or you take Chris Duarte. Uh, a, a guy like that, but if it gets to the point that those guys are, are gone in a few picks, 
Like, there are a bunch of big guys, and I, this is the reason why I don't, you know, th there are so many big guys in the NBA draft that, like, it doesn't make any sense to take them high. Look at all of, look at, like, the top 10 to 15 big guys in the NBA right now that play the center position, and maybe a couple of them were top 10 picks. Like, it's, it's just yeah. one of those positions where I, I think it's become such a gamble on which ones are going to hit. Um, you know, they all play off the ball, so you don't know how they're going to integrate into anybody's offense. Um, I mean, speaking of big guys, so the last big guy that went one, obviously, well, it depends on where you, I guess Zion technically is a big guy, but he's, he's an anomaly. Like, that yeah. dude was going number yeah. one since he was a freshman in high school. Right. DeAndre Ayton was the best, number one pick as a yeah. big. Do you think Phoenix is a better team with DeAndre Ayton or John ja Morant? Obviously, Chris Paul doesn't go to Phoenix, but if yeah. it's if it's John ja Morant and Devin Booker, are they a better team than what Phoenix was this past year? Probably not. But like, I think John ja, because I think Ayton complements Booker better than John ja Morant would. Um, but John ja Morant's a better player. Like, oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm not. I don't think that's even close. It's just, I mean, you're, like you said, it's just, it's hard to be a better player in today's NBA when you don't have the ball in your hand a bunch. And that's why Jokic won the MVP because yeah. he's a, I mean, he's their point guard. Basically, the offense flows through right. him completely. And in Philadelphia, the same thing. They've, I mean, they have this $100 million yeah. point guard, so to speak, but the offense still runs through Joel Embiid. And I mean, the Thunder, there's nobody, there's no big in this draft that you're going to run an offense through. Yeah. Um, I mean, at 18, it would be a reach, but I think, like, as far as, like, needs for the Thunder, when I look at their roster, like, they need a guy like Daron Sharp, uh, the big dude out of North Carolina. Like, they need a Man. big body down in the paint because they just— They do need a big body, but, my, again, my point is, like, I feel like every year in the draft, there are, like, 10 of those guys where sure, there's just not a lot of separation, and, like, I, I, sure, at some point they need to do that, but I don't think it's one of those things where, like— they just need to draft that at 16 because they because it's their need. Right, and there's no reason. I mean, it's very conceivable that he, the Daron Sharp, could be there at 35. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree with that. So, not, you know, reaching on him there is definitely not worth it. Um, were you what? Were you disappointed that they traded Moses Brown? No. I, yeah. I take it you were. I mean, it's easy to find a Moses Brown, but they don't have a Moses Brown. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they traded a guy that was a great rebounder and a pretty decent rim protector, and they just they don't really have the answer yet. Well, there goes Chris Duarte. Yeah, no, I, I mean that's that's fair, but I mean if a team wants him to get a deal done, he's not so good that I don't feel like I can't find that sure. somewhere. And again, they have so many picks tonight, like. Yeah, I mean, whether got, it's Kai Jones or you know somebody, they're they're gonna find a big body somewhere tonight. Free agency too. I mean, they've or got, free agency. Yeah, they've got to hit the salary floor. Like they've got to hit the floor. They they need to sign somebody. But every year there are like more than serviceable big guys on the on the trash heap that are just looking for a home. Yeah. Every year. Well. Yeah, especially after uh, you know all the Ian Mahimi guys got paid in 2016. Now they're. Uh, they're just struggling to find something, like a minimum salary at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, you'll, you'll find a big body that can rebound. I, like, I think you just go best available at this point. Yeah. I mean, there's so – I mean, even the good teams, really, in the NBA draft, you just – there's no positions anymore. So, you, yeah. every team should draft best available. I like this Chris Duarte kid out of uh, Oregon. I, he just uh, 
Like, I like guys that just give me the impression they will run over anybody in their path to win the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I said, he's a little bit older, but, I mean. He's older, but he's a dog. Yeah. And uh, Indy's, a, Indy's an interesting team because you look at the Pacers roster and – I like it's a it's a I think it's a decent roster. I think that it's a roster that Rick Carlisle can win with. Like Sabonis is an all star. Yeah. He's I would say he's probably one of the three to five best power forwards in the league. I know I just said it's Agreed. positionalist, but yeah. I mean he, he's pretty locked into playing that four that traditional four role. But yeah. uh Malcolm Brogdon's still there, Karis Levert, like I they might make some trades, like uh Miles Turner might be gone, but like they've got a pretty decent roster and they add uh they had this kid out of Oregon. I, we just talked about it. Chris Duarte. Duarte. His name yeah. just keeps slipping my mind. Um, he'll play for them. For sure. Yeah, he'll play minutes. And contribute, yeah. Uh, yeah, especially if uh, Karis LeVert's dealt with injury issues, obviously. Playoff guard, shoot the ball a little bit. Aggressive. Um, it's a good pick, though. I like it. Golden State already with another pick. How is, we're in a world where Golden State has two picks in this draft before Oklahoma City has two picks. Yeah. Golden State at number seven took Jonathan Kuminga, which, look, I thought from Kuminga's standpoint, uh, Golden State was probably about the best possible scenario. Yeah, I mean, For there's a no, guy that's, no that's pressure. really raw yeah. and uh, needs a lot of development. And, I mean, look, I know a lot of people don't like Draymond Green, but Draymond Green's probably one of the best guys in the NBA to learn under. If you're right, just a raw rookie that needs to develop his game and learn how to be an NBA player. Because I mean Draymond, that's what I mean. Draymond's not in the NBA because he does anything exceptionally good. I mean, he's an, a yeah. great defender, obviously, but like, he's just a high IQ guy that is a, developed into a really good basketball player. But a little disappointed. Golden State doesn't have Dame Lillard right now, but whatever. You want to see Lillard and uh, Steph? Who doesn't want to yeah. see that? Yeah. By the way, I saw. I don't want to see it in the NBA, but like. I was living for it in last year's All-Star game when they were on the same team Look, just taking turns, heaving it from 45 feet. I don't think Dame going to the Golden State makes them any more of a title contender than what they already are. So why not just have a season of them two going absolutely insane? Um, I, by the way, I saw a, uh, a tweet the other day. Steph Curry is older than Derrick Rose right now. My mind was absolutely blown when I heard that. Steph's a year older wow. than Derrick Rose. Yeah, that's shocking to me. Yeah, he's 33. Steph's 33 years old right now. And it feels like he's been in the league forever because he's, I mean, he has. He's been in the league for 12 yeah. years, but yeah. I feel like Derrick Rose has been in the league for 20 years. Good Lord. Um, okay, here we go. So Oklahoma City, uh, their last three first-round picks have been Poku, Teo Maladon, and now Josh Giddy. So they've gone the international route three straight times. So if that continues, Who the pick is... Uh, the turkey kid? I would say Garuba, the, the big guy. Power forward out of Spain, Usman Garuba. All right, here we go. Golden State Warriors making their second selection tonight. Moses Moody, what Great a pick. steal for Golden State at 14. Just more I mean, shooting. he's going to play. He's going to play and do a lot of the things that they wanted Andrew Wiggins to do. Yeah, I mean, and look, he's. How's his defense? I know he's a good shooter. How's he's his good defense? Defender. He's a good defender. Yeah. So you you have a second unit, Clay Thompson, basically. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I like Moses Moody a lot. I thought he was one of the best 10 players in this draft. And uh, I think Golden State's getting a steal at 14. How the hell are we going to let Golden State do everything they did for the first half of this decade, then draft James Wiseman, and then get Moses Moody at 14? And Kaminga. And Kaminga. Kaminga, I mean, Kaminga's a little bit of a, you know, we'll see what happens with him. But Yeah, no, look, I, I'm not super high on Kaminga, but to be in the situation where you can get Kaminga and develop him and it's not a rush because he, you know, you're if he if he hits, like he could be a home run. Right. But I mean, Moody, Moody's going to fill Moody's in Moody's going to help them. Right away. Yeah. You think Andrew Wiggins is on the on their roster at the beginning of the season? I no, I think they're going to. Doesn't well, make any sense, right? Part of it also depends on who wants to trade for him and take him on. You know, that's I mean, yeah. We I, I, we do this thing where we're like, I don't think they would want him, and ideally they would like to get rid of him. But I mean, it takes somebody else wanting him too. So I, I don't know. It's would you trade? Would you trade Andrew Wiggins and John? Well, would you trade Andrew Wiggins for Buddy Hield if you're Golden State? Yes. Trying to think of like comparable contracts to Andrew Wiggins. I mean, obviously, you could throw Kaminga potentially into a trade with yeah. Andrew Wiggins to really incentivize another team. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't do that for Buddy Hill. I think Buddy Hill is just Andrew Wiggins straight up for Buddy Hill is pretty. I thought Wiggins being in the situation he was in, he was finally going to have an opportunity to flourish. And, and he's just, is what he I, is. I just, you know, I think he did have that opportunity to flourish and it just never, never really turned out that way. Like, I, He's just a, I think the bottom line is, he's a guy that has a lot of talent and a lot of athleticism, but he's just, he's he's gonna be an inconsistent player. There, he's gonna have give you great nights, but he's also gonna disappear in really critical times. The problem with Andrew Wiggins is, he's no better today than he was the, first, the night he was drafted. I, like, do you watch Andrew Wiggins play now and yeah, say he's a much better player than, the, than his rookie year? That's fair. I'd say, I mean, it's pretty much yeah. a lateral line for him. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, Golden State's interesting. I mean, we'll see what Clay is after, you know, coming back from the injury. It was an ACL last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, because he can't, he tore the Achilles. No, he, yeah, it was the ACL. He re, yeah, okay. Yeah, retore it, right? Retore it, yeah. So, luckily, I mean, luckily for Clay, he doesn't dribble the ball or, you know, do anything. You know, it yeah. doesn't need to right, really catch and shoot. Be, be explosive to Although do what he, he does greatly. You know, I, Draymond Green gets a lot of the credit for how good that team is defensively. I think Clay is equally as important to well, them. Well, yeah, I mean, Clay. So Draymond isn't the guy that guards their best player, the other team's best right. player. It's always Clay. Right. But Clay being back, I mean, that hides Steph and it helps them out a lot. It does, it, I mean, it, it does hurt them that if Andrew Wiggins is on the floor with them too, because now you have two bad defenders. Yeah, in uh, Steph and and Wiggins, but I mean they're going to be good. I mean they they made the play in tournament last year just with Steph going nuclear. Can we address as we get ready to? We still have a few more picks before Oklahoma City picks at sixteen. Can we talk about all the idiots going back to the draft lottery that were just like, no big deal. It doesn't matter where the Thunder land. They have so many assets, they can just move up to whatever pick they want. Like, there were a bunch of those takes. And look, there were a bunch of those takes from Oklahoma City media members. Okay, so look, I, I can see where they're coming from because we live in a world where the team that we cover, our local team, the team that we're used to, that we're around the most, is willing to just trade whatever for a bunch of draft picks. Yeah. Other teams aren't necessarily willing to do that. Other teams don't, I mean, 
draft picks hold a lot of value, but in the NBA, they don't hold the same value as an actual player does. Like, an imaginary player... Well, and a, a locked pick certainly right. is uh, on in a different stratosphere Post lottery, than, right. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, what's the incentive for Houston to trade out of the two pick if they really like Jalen Green? Even right. if even if Oklahoma City gives him four first round picks, if they think Jalen Green's going to be you know an MVP caliber player in five years, right. why would they trade out of that? And this is a draft where just to get back into the lottery next yeah, year, right? Like you you may or may not like all those picks may or may not ever end up in the top right. five again. And this is a draft where you know you and I talked yesterday or the day before where we felt like there were definitely four like top tier guys in this draft. Why would any one of those four teams? trade out of that pick for quote-unquote future first-round picks that maybe they're good picks, maybe they're not, maybe they're in the teens, maybe they're at the tail end of the lottery, but there's no guarantee that you're in position like you are currently to land one of the premier players in a draft. I mean, I mean, Toronto kind of made sense at it for trading out just of where their roster's at. Sure, they kind of sure. they want to get back into the playoffs and they want to get back to being contenders in the East, but then they pass on Jalen Suggs and I'm just like... <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. So it is what it is. But generally speaking, yes, bad teams are going to be at the top of the lottery. And if you're Oklahoma City, you're not going to give up a bunch to get into the four or five pick. I mean, I would have, but I wouldn't have given up a bunch. But I absolutely would have tried to get up into four and take Jalen Suggs. I would have given up Kimball Walker I would have traded my whole draft to move up one to spot to oh, get Jalen yes. Suggs versus yeah, picking at six. The yeah. whole draft. All six picks. What is it, six picks? Yeah, 100%. I would have. I Every pick. Thought. And then... Toronto, I mean, they would have. If you're Toronto, how do you pass on that? How do you pass on having six picks tonight when you just need, like, a couple of pieces and you're back in the playoffs and you're back in, I mean, I don't know if they're real contenders, but yeah. you're back into being a top five team in the East? I, yeah. I don't know how you pass on that. And if you're Presti, they must really not have liked Jalen Suggs that much to not throw that offer out at them. Or, I mean, here's the other thing. First-round picks also mean guaranteed contracts. And if you're Toronto, you have a lot of established players. They may, yeah. they may not be able to take on three first-round picks this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly, like, that's th – there are so many elements to the whole, like, trading draft pick thing that, that I think there are a lot of people that just assume, like, if you throw four draft picks at somebody for one draft pick, it, it's going to be a done deal, and they're going to jump all over it. But – the reality is everybody is fighting to get one of the premier picks in an NBA draft, and once you have that, it's idiotic to trade it for more lottery tickets or chances to get back in the same position you just traded away. Yeah, well, we, I mentioned it uh, last week, I think, and we talked about it a little bit yesterday. Like That's why Kimba to Toronto yeah. made so much yeah, sense to me sure. because Kyle Lowry has already said that he wants out. He, did, he said it during the season. Kyle Lowry's like, 75 years old at this point and like I don't know how I mean his butt's got to be 100 inches wide so like how much longer can he really play I don't know what the butt thing had to do with anything he just <laughs> everybody always makes comments about his big his yeah, big butt yeah for sure it looks like he's wearing a diaper it does um, but anyways if he's out his contract's up and I, there's no reason to re-sign him to big money you really are trying to be contenders in the east again Kimba seems like a perfect fit and yeah. you and if Oklahoma City's willing to give you Kimba in the sixth so that they can move up to get Jalen Suggs? Why? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Why would you do that if you're Toronto? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. But, hell, maybe maybe Oklahoma City just never called them about it. I don't know. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe like, either team did call I would say this. I would say with 100% certainty, Sam Presti offered something. 
Yeah. I mean, if you're saying, he had to have called everybody in the top five, uh, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. Maybe I, not the top I five, but four. I, I would be willing to say Sam Presti, with certainty, Sam Presti made an offer to every team that was picking above him. Sure. As I think every NBA GM would do. Right. And I, I would imagine that Detroit's taking calls from everybody no. about that first pick. Even if they have no intention on trading, you still listen. I mean, I mean who, who, you know, doesn't listen to a job offer? You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, of, of course. Like, yeah. you listen. Maybe they'll, you know, knock you out of your boots and you got to take the offer. But, I mean, Oklahoma City landed at six and... I mean, we've all been talking about the hypothetical thing that was thrown out earlier this week, and it was it was that the Thunder had offered Shea and the number six pick for the number one pick, and a lot of Thunder fans were like, "There's no way the Thunder would do that. That's a stupid trade." Like, and Detroit would be stupid to turn that down, which I completely disagree with. If you are a team that currently is not any good, whether it's the Thunder or the Rockets or the Pistons, none of those teams are good. If you have the opportunity to get a younger player that has a higher ceiling than than the other side of the trade, you always take the younger guy with the higher ceiling if your team stinks. Well, like, yeah. It's not even a question. Yeah, because, and look, in the NBA, the NFL, even in the MLB, like, it's a little bit harder than the MLB, but in the NFL, like, you can flip it around in a year. You could go from being the worst team one year to being a playoff team the next year. It happens all the time. We see it consistently. I mean, Tampa Bay hadn't made the playoffs in 10 years in one offseason. They're, you know, Super Bowl champions. Kansas City drafts one player, and they, I mean, they were decent, but they go from being Alex Smith's Chiefs to, you know, Super Bowl contenders year in and year out. Like, it's easy in the NFL. In the NBA, it takes years. Yeah. Some teams never get there. Like, right. I'm convinced Orlando will never be a contender ever Sacramento again. Sacramento might not either. S- same. Like, there are just some teams and some markets, especially in today's NBA, where it's players dictate where they go. Yeah. They're not going to go play for a Sacramento or Orlando. Like I, right. I've heard multiple NBA players talk about Orlando being one of their least favorite places to visit. And, yeah. I, and it's in Florida. Like it's, that's where Disney world's at. Like and they hate it. They hate Orlando. Yep. And if, I mean, that that's why, you know, a lot of Thunder fans and I, I, I know that they feel this way, but like you really need to reiterate how fortunate Thunder fans are that Presti is still in Oklahoma city and didn't, you know, bail out after yeah. Russell Westbrook got traded and just kind of, you know, the rebuild officially started because, I mean, you got to have a front office that's willing to spend money and, you know, a GM that's aggressive and, you know, willing to make trades if you're a small market team. And Oklahoma City has that right now. But there's a lot of small market teams that don't have that. They're going to suck forever. So, I mean, you got to build it through the draft and hope you, you know, have like a three-year window where you can be good with your draft picks. We have, uh, we have movement in the NBA, guys. We have a Woj bomb involving Oklahoma City. The Thunder are trading the 16th pick. Sources tell ESPN. Okay. So. But well, we they, we doing they, more Woj. We got it. more on that. That's it. They're not telling us. Uh, Shams has also confirmed. Actually, Sham has gone. Shams has gone a step further. OKC's trading number 16 to Houston. But they have uh, they've not given us any information on what is being swapped in Oklahoma City's favor. Houston so, has 20, so 16 for 23 and 24, maybe? I, I don't know. John Wall to the Thunder. Maybe, yeah, maybe the Thunder can end up with uh, four first-round picks, all of them being uh, projects, and maybe one of them hits. <laughs> maybe. You think, how, uh, 16 and Kimball Walker for John Wall. 
Why not? Let's just get every All-Star guard every for 2013. All-Star. Yeah. That, yeah. In, in for like a couple of weeks and uh, see what happens. Yeah, get you know, go through the photo shoot of them wearing the Thunder uniform and let that make the rounds on social media for right. a couple of weeks and then trade them. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe let a few jerseys get printed and sell and sold. So, because I mean, who's going to buy a Darius Baisley jersey? No offense, to Darius Baisley, but I'm not going to spend a hundred, two hundred dollars on a Darius Baisley jersey. Yeah, of course not. I yeah. Josh Giddy though, I mean, he's a first Josh, round pick. Josh Giddy though, he's a, he's a lottery uh, yeah. top ten pick. I'm, I mean, if if you are buying the Josh Giddy jersey, then you're just you need to customize it to the hashtag Giddy Up. Hashtag Giddy Up. Hashtag yeah. Giddy Up. So the Oklahoma City Thunder are uh, on the clock, but they are trading this number 16 pick. Houston is sending OKC two future first round picks for number 16. So the Thunder are not making this selection. They are not getting a pick in this draft in return. It is for two future first round selections and uh, again they are going to make this pick but it is not for the Oklahoma City Thunder all right Aaron uh, before we let you run and you're going to come back here in a little bit but uh, since the Thunder have traded 16 I'll ask you about 18 give me your prediction of who will be taken by OKC with pick number 18 uh, so I I think Houston's going to take Jalen Johnson here so I think he's probably going to be off the board I think I think he's going to be Keon Johnson okay I think uh, the athletic kid out of Tennessee, uh, I, I, they need somebody that could go get some baskets. And I know that Keon's not necessarily the most polished you know, player in this draft. But, I mean, he's super athletic. At least maybe he could get to the free throw line and, you know, get to the basket and catch some alley-oops from Josh Giddy. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I wanna, I'm honestly a little disappointed they traded out of 16. I don't really... Uh, I mean, I guess you want to get more future first-round picks, but, I mean, that just shows you that Oklahoma City doesn't really value anybody that's left in this draft right now at this point. Yeah. So. So there we go. Deion Johnson. OKC trading pick number 16 to the Houston Rockets for two future first-round picks. And the Thunder are making this selection at 16, but this is not going to be their player. They will be picking at 18. And Aaron is predicting Keon Johnson will be the selection at 18 for OKC. So here we go. OKC coming up in uh, just a couple more picks as, again, they have traded this pick to the Houston Rockets. Will Brewer is uh, going to join me again uh, in a matter of moments. I think he's uh, really zoned in on the NBA draft right now. But Will Brewer going to join me in a matter of moments. And... Uh, <laughs> I said that like three times, and you were like so in the zone. It was hilarious. Um, how was that sandwich, by the way? That sandwich looked spectacular. Oh, yeah, that was, man, that was amazing. My stomach was over here doing somersaults. So I needed to get something to eat. But I was looking at uh, uh, the proposed trade with, uh, with Houston. So uh, I was a little like, of yeah. course they're going to trade the 16 pick. Yeah. So. For two future first-round picks. So once again trading out of picks to get future first-round picks that, well, they're not going to use to trade into the top five. So more first-round picks, more draft capital that you're not going to use to get difference makers in the top five of the NBA draft. Man, it, I mean, for, for, for the draft lottery to go the way it did and now for this draft to be going the way it, it's been going, I'm sure uh, this uh, this draft has not gone to <laughs> what the Thunder fans that were expecting. 
To say the yeah, least. To say the least. Yeah, I've uh, I've not seen a single person on my Twitter timeline say something positive about the Oklahoma City Thunder since before the fifth pick of the NBA draft was made. So I think there was, you know, a lot like the lottery night that we were here. You know, there's this excitement level of like, what if? What if tonight is like, you know, 10 years down the road, we look at tonight as the night that it all changed. This was the turning point where things went in the right direction. And, you know, the Thunder landed two top five draft, you know, draft picks in the lottery. It didn't go that way. And then tonight, you know, even with having six, 16, and 18, there's this idea that you have all this draft capital. You've got to make a move. You can't make all these picks and roster all these guys over the next five, six, right. seven years. Like, you just can't. So at some point, you're going to have to make some trades, and you're going to have to move these picks. And if you're at number six and you you cannot get into the top five, what's the point in having them? Right. Like, that's the whole point of all these is so you can move into position when you don't win the lottery to try and get those difference makers. It's, I mean, I, I think if you're a Thunder fan and you're massively disappointed tonight, I think you should be. Yeah. This is a massively disappointing night. And I get, look, I, I, Sam Presti's going to say lots of good things about Giddy. And, and for all we know, Giddy turns into a good player. But I will guarantee you one thing. Sam Presti made offers to move up. Absolutely. Sam Presti, 100%. I promise you, tried to get Orlando to make a trade. Sam Presti tried to get Toronto to make a trade. Sam Presti tried to get every team that was picking above him to make a trade. But like we talked about when we were doing this at the lottery, those are also bad teams. Right. And those teams also need difference makers. So just throwing a bunch of future first-round picks at them is not nearly as valuable as having that number two overall selection or that number three overall selection. So, uh, you know, it's an interesting dynamic because I think they tried, but you know, I was skeptical as to whether or not it could happen. And a big reason why I was pro Trey Shea to move up in this draft, because I think that's the only way you're, it's going to happen. I don't think you're able to move up just by offering teams future picks that may not even end up in the lottery, for crying out loud. Yeah, I, I think now that I've thought about it more, I think uh, trying to get or trying to tr throw Shea into the, uh, the trade offer for number one, I think that was maybe like a, a last-ditch effort. I think uh, Sam Presti's normally a guy who has the upper hand and he'll uh, get trades to where you're like, how did Sam Presti pull that off? And I think now uh, with, the, with, this with this draft, uh, the first four uh, picks, they're so valuable. The first five picks are so valuable that, um, I mean, I, Sam Presti definitely did, did his due diligence. He definitely tried to throw. He threw everything out there. He threw the kitchen sink. He probably threw in some cash, you know, whatever yeah. the case is. Uh, it, it just didn't happen. And uh, for this, this is this was the worst-case scenario. This was the possibility. <laughs> we, did, we didn't think that uh, it would get to this point. We definitely thought that Sam Presti would make a move and move up. But yeah. um, Thunder fans definitely – expected more but uh this was uh, in the realm of possibilities for sure and it's and it's come to reality yeah all right well th they still have 18 you know barring another trade by sam presti uh for future first round picks uh if they're making the pick at 18 based on you know what's available um there i look there are still some good players on the board uh what direction do you think makes sense for okc next man it's it's tough to even say um, because I was so thrown thrown off by the giddy pick. Um, maybe you go. Uh, 
maybe you go at uh, uh, Jalen Jackson, maybe. Uh, yeah, Jalen Johnson, Johnson yeah. I mean. Uh, maybe go Keon Johnson. I mean, who knows? Right. I mean, yeah, either one of those picks, yeah, I think, e makes a lot of sense. Yeah, either one of those guys. Um, in terms of being the best available, I think those are, those are the two best. But, you know, you never know. I'm, uh, yeah. Maybe they go with another uh, overseas guy. Well, if they're going to go overseas, uh, Garuba out of Spain makes a ton of sense. Uh, long, athletic, uh, going to be you know a guy that uh, probably does a lot of the things that uh, Moses Brown did when the Thunder traded him. Uh, so Garuba would – like if I was betting right now and the Thunder do make the pick for themselves, Garuba would be who I would bet they, they take. But I'm with you. I mean, I think when you look at the upside of what Jalen Johnson could be or the upside of what Keon Johnson could be, um, based on what you've already taken, uh, and that's that's the route I'm going. Yeah, that that would be the route I go. But you know, in terms of what the Thunder have, uh, they don't really have many big men. They traded Moses Brown. Yeah. Uh, they still have Tony Bradley, I believe, but I think he might be a free agent. Uh, so uh, they might be looking to, for for a big man. What do you think about Isaiah Jackson out of Kentucky? I like Isaiah Jackson. Uh, if I, w I probably wouldn't use uh, my pick number 18 on him uh, because in terms of best available, I've, I really feel like you you get a Jalen Johnson, but um, I wouldn't be opposed to Isaiah Jackson for sure. Long, athletic shot blocker. I, I'm i not overly impressed with his offensive skills. He's kind of a finisher at the rim offensively. I mean, if you want to throw him the ball, he can go get it, but... Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think there are still guys that have drastically better skill sets at this point that would be available uh, than to – look, in the NBA draft, we see this all the time. There are – big guys are a dime a dozen. Unfortunately, like I, I, that's not right. a bad thing, but we've reached this point in basketball where everybody wants guys that are going to have the ball in their hands, and everybody wants guys that play the perimeter. And the reality is the, the draft value for a lot of these big guys that, that – aren't Evan Mobley, right? Uh, you know, or or DeAndre Ayton, right? Uh, these guys, their value slides. And when you look at like the top 15 centers in the NBA right now, the majority of them are not top 10 picks, right? They're they're guys that you can find later in the draft. And I would I would even say in free agency, you're going to be able to like there are always quality centers on the trash heap that you can you can have come play solid minutes for you. Right, because they're just—they're not valued the same way as they used to. The league has changed so drastically. Right, like uh, a, a guy like uh, Hassan Whiteside, uh, seven-foot yeah. protector. Right. I mean, it, just a few years ago, he was a—he was an all-star, all this stuff. But now he's barely getting any uh, time in the right. league. Um, you know, DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan. I mean, he's—he's he's on the bench. Dwight Howard, Boogie Cousins, all these guys who we're used to seeing being all-stars—they're kind of uh, being fizzled out a little bit. So there's always going to be uh, some really talented centers that you could get for the veteran minimum, and there's just those those fair few like the the Jokic's who are just like uh, exceptions to the rule, if you right. will. So, um, like you said, I mean, there's not, it's not a lot of centers that you would just look at and be like, okay, I need that guy. Uh, Evan Mobley is is that exception in this draft. Yeah. Uh, right now, Mike Schmitz has Keon Johnson and then Jalen Johnson as the best two available players. Trey Murphy from Virginia and then Usman Garuba, who is my betting favorite to be the pick for OKC at number 18, mostly because raw athletic international player. It all uh, it all kind of adds up for Sam Presti. Thunder player for, <laughs> to the T. Yeah. 
All right, uh, we have the 17th, is this the 17th pick coming in now? 17th. Trey Murphy, guard out of Virginia, is the selection to, uh, so this is the, the, Memphis is making this pick for the Pelicans in that uh, trade that we discussed earlier. Trey Murphy, Virginia, uh, thoughts on this guy? Well, uh, uh He's a he's a three and D guy. Uh, he can shoot the ball really well. He's gonna. I think the the Pelicans definitely need a guy who can be a three and D guy. I mean, you got guys like Josh Hart. You got a lot of um, offensive firepower, but you don't really have a lot of uh, lockdown defenders. And if you're gonna, if the Pelicans aren't gonna uh, keep Lonzo Ball, if they're not gonna keep uh, Josh Hart, if they're moving, they already moved off from Bledsoe. Uh, they still need uh, players who will be able to add uh, defensive intensity. And I. Definitely think Trey Murphy brings that. By the way, Cade Cunningham is now at the ESPN desk. Uh, I am I am heartbroken for this guy that he has to wear that Detroit Pistons hat, Will. Yeah. Um, Just heartbroken for him. Ah. Uh, yeah, it's tough. He, seem, he seems in good spirits. I think just being the number one pick makes up for, for it. For sure. But, but man, uh, yeah, I feel for him. He's got to go to Detroit, though. <laughs> Yeah, he's I mean, Aaron and I were talking about this a minute ago. There are some organizations that you just kind of feel like it, it's going to take, like, the stars aligning for them to come, you know, get out of a hole. And it's Sacramento. It's Orlando. Oh, yeah. I oh, think Detroit's yeah. in that category. Like, maybe Cade is, is the guy that, that brings Detroit out. But Detroit's one of those teams, like, when they're bad and, you know, nobody wants to go play in Detroit, like, right. you have to hit a home run in the draft or you're going to be there forever. Yeah, and th this is where it starts. Uh, they, <laughs> yeah. they do have a really solid head coach in Dwayne Casey, yeah. but um, and they have uh, Jeremy Grant uh, already there. Um, they dra they drafted uh, Sadiq Bay, who who turned out really well. Isaiah Stewart, who's uh, I was really high on Sadiq Bay a, a year ago. I couldn't believe he dropped as far as he did, and the Pistons hit a home run. Yeah, there. they hit a real home run yeah. with him. Uh, so they've got a lot of, of, of solid young prospects, and Cade is going to be running the show. They were uh, missing a point guard. I I think they had. Uh, they traded for Dennis Smith. They got um, uh, they, they drafted Kellen Hayes. So, uh, but Cade is that guy who's going to uh, run the franchise. And uh, moving forward, I mean, Detroit's going to have uh, more work to do in the draft. I mean, Cade Cunningham's solid, but uh, he's not going to bring them to the, to the playoffs uh, in his first yeah. year, I don't think. So um, they might be looking at another lottery pick next year to pair with Shea and, and uh, just continue to build throughout the draft. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I, I mean, you still have, if you're Oklahoma City, Shea is a good guy to build around. Like, right. he, he's, we talked about this earlier, like, he's he's a future NBA all-star. I believe that. Like, I think he's he's one of those fringe, you know, 20 to 30 best players in the league. Um, you could be in much worse situations than having Shea to build around. Um, man, I, I, the, <laughs> the theme of tonight is, is probably just more like, oh, I can't believe it went this way for OKC. Uh, but yeah, look at look at the makeup of this team right now. And Dort obviously is a guy you like. I, I'm still like holding out hope that Baisley's going to put it all together. And I think part of the problem last year was you have we weird circumstances anyway. And they literally went into you know beat us by 50 every night mode. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm not I'm not quite ready to to sell. The, the stock on Baisley. Uh, I want to see what he looks like this year, and you know, there's obviously a little bit of urgency for him to to start to progress. But um, where are you at with with the guys that are in place beyond just what happened tonight? 
Uh, I, I like the core. Um, Shay, like you said, uh, it's it's a really good thing to have Shay to build around. Uh, and then you have a, a guy like Dort, who's a, a two-way player. Um, then you bring Darius Baisley, who I've still, I'm still kind of high on. I think he's got uh, he's got the potential to be special. Uh, I just think he's he still is putting it all together, still getting used to the NBA uh, style of play and everything. Um, he's got he's got potential. He's got the length. Um, he he can score the basketball. I mean, of course he's had he had some uh, inconsistencies, but I think as uh, he continues to grow in the NBA, it'll get better. Um, and so, with with those three guys, I think you have uh, something solid to build around, and then you add Giddy yeah. to that mix. So. Um, the Thunder still have a lot of uh, of young guys on the team, um, but Poku, Maladon, Giddy. There's look. I mean, it's nice to swing for the fences and try for those home runs, but right now we also have. I mean, there's there's some projects that yeah have some big holes. Yeah, like uh, Poku's a, a prime example. I mean, he had some moments, but I mean, he's a project. Uh, yeah. He's still got a long way to go in this league, so. Um, yeah, I mean, Thunder fans definitely wanted this night to go a lot different. They wanted the, the draft lottery to go a lot different. Uh, Sam Presti definitely uh, gave his best effort to try to move up, but uh, he, th- these are the cards that he was dealt, and uh, he obviously saw something special in Josh Giddy. Um, and hopefully the Thunder fans this year will see it. All right, the, uh, the pick is in for the Oklahoma City Thunder at 18. Again, uh, they traded pick number 16 to the Houston Rockets for two future first-round picks that uh, ultimately became an international player to Houston. So this is, although the Thunder are making their third pick of this first round, they're making only their second pick uh, for a guy that's actually going to end up being a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder, barring a trade down the line. Um, you think this is uh, best player available, or you think this is like need where we, we you know, we've been kind of talking about potentially big man. This one, this one's tough um, because you could go both ways. Um, but when when you are at Oklahoma City and you have um, your record was twenty two and fifty, so like there's not really any like you need everything basically. Yeah. So uh, maybe you do go best available, but if you are a Sam Presti. Do you look at uh, do you look at the need of uh, of a big man a little bit more than you do uh, of of a guard or of a of a stretch four or whatever the case is and go ahead and draft a big man? Yeah. Uh, the pick is in. We are just uh, anxiously awaiting Adam Silver to uh, reach the podium so we can find out what this pick is going to be for OKC. And uh, I've actually, once again, accidentally spoiled the pick, so I know what it is. Uh, but I, anybody that's, that's watching the draft and listening to us at the same time, I don't want to do that to them. So uh, I know what it is. I'm anxiously awaiting this to be announced so we can discuss it. Um, again, recap, OKC picked it sixth. Uh, they were not able to trade up, and they took uh, Josh Giddy with the sixth selection. So here we go, Adam Silver walking to the podium. Trey Mann, point guard from the University of Florida, Will. Uh, good size, uh, good length, I guess I should say, for a point guard. Um, I think terrific defender is, is the one thing that, that I've most heard about him. 
this is not a guy that I've seen a ton of. Your thoughts? Well, he can definitely score the basketball along with being a, a really solid playmaker, and he adds toughness on defense. Uh, at 6'4", he does add uh, size to the point guard position. So um, with Zagidi and with, with Trey Mann, you, got, uh, you do have size. And uh, unlike Josh Giddy, uh Trey Mann will bring uh, defense, and uh, he will add a solid, uh, a solid jump shot at that. So uh, wouldn't, wouldn't have been the way that I would have went because um, you still have uh, Jalen Johnson and Keon Johnson on the board. But yeah. uh, still is a, a solid pick for sure. Can you make the argument that the Thunder got a better point guard at 18 than they got at 6? You can, can you make that argument? You can definitely make that argument. Um, because I, I was saying earlier that you could maybe you could have waited till 16 to get Josh Giddy. Um, and, uh, I mean, Trey Mann, this is pick 18, but Trey Mann uh, is in that discussion for the best available as well. So, um, man, uh you can definitely make that case, man. I'm, I'm pretty surprised at the Thunder's uh, draft today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I, I mean, at 18, I, I'm with, I like Jalen Johnson a lot more. Um, I would have liked the potential of what Keon Johnson brings. Um, I, I would say there would probably be a lot of Thunder fans bitching if Keon Johnson had been the pick. They would have been like, oh, great, you know, the next, like, long athletic wing that yeah. uh, needs to develop a lot of the skills. Um but, again, you're talking about, you know, a high ceiling for the guy. Uh, if you are going to take a guy like Giddy and you're really unsure as to him working out, the Trey Mann pick to kind of back the number six pickup makes a lot of sense, right? Absolutely. Uh, because if, if you, you know, you, you throw all your cards at Josh Giddy, you draft him at six. But there is a possibility that this just doesn't work out. So you have to have um, – just a backup plan in order, uh, just in case it doesn't work out. And Trey Mann is that. And then you also have Theo Melodon as well. Bro, so the Thunder just made their last pick of the first round. And <laughs> there are so many sad people in this building. There are people that are just sitting at their table, heads down. There are a lot of people, I think, Googling Trey Mann at the moment right. on their phones. And... There are also people that uh, literally had their tabs paid, waiting for this announcement, <laughs> and the announcement was made, and without a facial expression, got up and left. You know, it, it was it was tough. This tonight was tough <laughs> for Thunder fans for sure. Um, Josh Giddy at six, you trade away sixteen, and then at eighteen, I think people were just like, "Oh, forget it." Like uh, whoever yeah. it is, it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, a tough night. Uh, definitely a lot of long faces. I mean, normally, yeah. I know when the when the pick was announced, you know, people were kind of at the edge of their seats. Everyone's looking up at the TV. Who could then, it be? Yeah, yeah, who could it be? And then Josh Giddy's selected. You know, normally you hear people like, woo, clapping and yeah. everything, but you didn't hear none of that with Josh yeah. Giddy. <laughs> I know with Jalen Johnson, there are the, you know, the competitive questions. Uh, he didn't finish his year at Duke. Um I've heard it discussed on different podcasts uh, that maybe he didn't interview well, things of that nature. Those are things that I have a hard time like wanting to break down because I know very little about them. From a basketball-only perspective, Jalen Johnson, to me, was a top 10 pick in this draft. From a basketball perspective, if you're picking at 16 or 18 and Jalen Johnson's available, just looking at the guy that he could be and looking at where his body is as as a freshman right, right now, 
how to me I don't know how you would pass on that. Now again, if if it comes out that like literally this guy everybody is in agreement like he's not competitive, doesn't want to work, like all those questions, then okay, I get it. But the basketball side says I don't know how you pass on him to me. Uh, I agree with you on the basketball side, but um, that the other part of it is such a big thing as far as his uh, his character, his personality. Um, if he wants to go out there and compete every day, um, it, I mean, when you're it, it, when you're in the NBA, competitiveness is so important. So if he's if he's a guy that's showing like uh, low character, if he might have uh, locker room issues, I mean, yeah. the Oklahoma City Thunder are used to drafting guys with with pretty right. high character, so. Uh, if, if that uh, has turned into a problem, that's the reason why he's uh, been sliding in the draft. Uh, I just got a text from a good friend of mine that is a diehard Thunder fan. He says, and I quote, Underwhelmed doesn't even to begin to describe our draft tonight with about a thousand facepalm emojis. Uh, and... Uh, after when I when I took the break, I, I checked my phone and there was people saying, "Who the f is Josh Giddy?" Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, a, a lot of Thunder fans are underwhelmed. Uh, but you know, Sam Presti's playing the cards that he's dealt, and I think that he wanted to get a guy who could take control of the franchise. Uh, Josh Giddy coming from overseas, uh, he know he's got a high basketball IQ. So that's. I mean, if you're looking for positives, those, yeah. those are the positives there for with Giddy. We're also now at that point in the draft where the television broadcast portion to just show us who's actually getting selected and allowing Rachel Nichols and Richard Jefferson the time to, like, talk uh, outweighs how fast the draft is actually moving. Uh, Shams and Woj are, like, three picks ahead at this point. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, this is this is when it's like, all right, we just got to wait for the pick to talk about what's next. Uh, let's throw this out while we wait for for, an, for a couple picks. It's official, Russell Westbrook to the L.A. Lakers. Yeah, I mean, uh, for for me, uh, Russell Westbrook has been in this league for a long time, and he's been a, a fierce competitor. And playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it gives him a a, a chance to win a championship, and, it, and it's something that he hasn't had since uh, he's played with Kevin Durant. Uh, he, I mean, he had that year with James Harden, but of course, you know, everything with COVID and injuries messed yeah. that up. But playing with the guy as accomplished as LeBron James, playing with the guy as skilled as Anthony Davis uh, in the Laker organization, um, it's only, uh, and Russ is uh, playing at home too. So uh, I, I love the situation for Russ uh, in terms of the fit, in terms of the Lakers and everything, I don't know how that's going to work. I got to see it. Yeah. But um, I'm happy for Russ. He's going into a winning uh, culture, so um, we'll see how it works. I used the uh, the term uh, regular season horsepower at the beginning of the show because I think he's a guy that uh, just you know was able to play a lot of minutes in the regular season. He's a guy that can you know be that piece that you need to win regular season games when you need to sit LeBron James down for a couple games. When inevitably Anthony Davis is going to miss time in the regular season, Russell Westbrook's that guy that can pick up the slack and still get you regular season wins. When you get to the postseason, this is where it becomes interesting. And we, we had this conversation a couple years ago in Houston. Houston was great in the regular season, right? right? But what happens when you get to the postseason and all of a sudden it's a situation where Who's going to have the ball? How are teams going to defend you when they don't necessarily have to respect Russell Westbrook's outside shot if he doesn't have the ball? If he does have the ball in critical moments, is he going to make the right decisions? I mean, you, you now put that in perspective to 
LeBron James, you're not taking LeBron off the ball. Right. Why would you ever, especially in critical moments of a game, give Russell Westbrook the ball over LeBron James? And nobody's going to respect Russell Westbrook's ability to shoot the ball. So I think that only drastically more impacts the way that teams are going to be able to defend LeBron and AD. I I like it for what they're going to be next regular season, and I like it for the workload that he's going to be able to put on his shoulders over the course of 82 games that may allow LeBron and Anthony Davis to be healthier next postseason. But if we're talking about Russell Westbrook potentially being the difference in the Lakers winning a title or not, I, I, I'm not there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not there either. And while you were uh, while you were talking, you brought up how uh, Russ is going to be able to be a minute eater and yeah. how he's going to be able to help LeBron and, and AD get through the regular season. But still, like, how do you see? Uh, those three potentially playing together. Uh, how do you see Russell Westbrook being the third option? Because he's never been a third option in his, right. in his entire career. Right. While in the regular season is great, but come playoff time, Russell Westbrook's going to be looked at as the third option. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm with you. Uh, and and when those guys do play together in the regular season, it'll, you know, It'll probably look what's, good. What's that going to look like? Uh, you're right. It will look good because again, teams. I mean, the effort level given in the regular season versus the playoffs is exactly why Russell Westbrook looks like an MVP in the regular season and why he looks like, I don't want to say just a guy in the postseason, but significantly lesser of a player in the postseason. Yeah, but you start to wonder, like, man, what's wrong with Russ? Like, what's what's going on with Russ today? It's it's not anything that Russ is doing different. It's that the teams are... The teams are, yes, they're approaching him differently. They're actually trying defensively for longer periods of the game and they actually are going to try and take away your strengths and force you into your weaknesses. Nobody does that in the NBA except for maybe the final couple minutes of a game if it's close and you have the opportunity to win. But even then, I don't feel like we necessarily see teams go all out from that standpoint. Nobody's attacking Ennis Cantor every possession defensively during the regular season, right? right? There's a reason. because There's just no point in doing it. You know it's there. You don't need to do it in the regular season. You're, you're going to do that when you get to the playoffs. Right. But you're not going to, like, force the other team to take him out of the game in game 31 of 82. It just That's why Russell Westbrook kills in, in the regular season. Right. And, and just like you were saying, uh, so Steph Curry, the Cleveland won a championship because they started they were, they were down 3-1, and they started using uh, switching uh, on a Steph Curry. So they would get uh, Steph Curry switch on to LeBron James yeah. and then, or a Steph Curry switch on to Kyrie Irving. Uh, they were trying to hide him on J.R. Smith, but they started using him in pick and rolls, and, and they were switching. So LeBron yeah. and Kyrie started to have their way, and uh, Golden State didn't really have an adjustment for that. You can't take Steph Curry out the game. Right. So it's the same thing uh, with Russ in the, in the playoffs. When you take away his strength, when you take away the paint, uh, he, it forces him to take outside shots, and that's why we see his percentages be so low in the, in the playoffs. He's still going to play as hard as he can. He's still going to give you everything, but... I mean, when it comes to playoff time, IQ becomes a really big part of it. And he's never really had uh, an answer for when teams take away the paint. And, yeah, I agree. And now he's going to be he's gonna be in L.A. And, what, and when he's asked to just go stand in the corner while LeBron and A.D. Uh, run a pick and roll uh, in the last five minutes of the yeah. game, how is he going to take that? I mean, right. if, he, if he wants to win a championship, this has got to be the sacrifice that he makes. If not, then the Lakers are going to be uh, in a world of trouble. Here's the interesting part. Russell Westbrook, I believe, could be one of the best defenders in the NBA. 
Like, he could be that. Right. Uh, when he wants to, he defends at a really high level. Now, we also understand that his usage rate has been through the roof for, I mean, the last five years. Right. And there's a reason why he doesn't play as hard defensively as, as maybe some would like. Sometimes I think it does dip below that acceptable level, if I'm being honest. Uh, but that said... I mean, Russell Westbrook potentially becomes your defensive stopper in L.A. against the best perimeter offensive player for the other team. If, if he's not being asked to handle the, the same load offensively because you have LeBron James, I mean, maybe he's the guy that you just say, hey, go, go lock up who, whoa, whoever it is. If he's going to exert his energy uh, on offense, or if he's not going to exert his energy on offense, he's going to have to do it uh, somewhere else. And defensively is definitely the uh, the perfect place for him to exert uh, his energy. He's got a high motor. And uh, if he's going to be just standing in the corner offensively, he's, he's going to have a lot of, of, of pent-up energy that he wants to just get out. Yeah. So, and, man, I wanted to talk about the pick, like, Atlanta, with such a great young core, yeah. they just drafted Jalen Johnson. With the 20th pick with in the, the draft. With the 20th pick in the draft. They have such a, young, a great young core already, and just to add a guy like Jalen Johnson, this is a steal. Um, you know, the thing you have to remember about Atlanta, they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they pushed Milwaukee yeah. before Trey Young gets hurt. Um, they did it without DeAndre Hunter. Yeah. Who, I mean, you can make the argument is probably, what, their third best player? Right. They did that without DeAndre Hunter, who is a young player that is a perfect complement to what the way that team's built. Like, I'm not saying he's an all-star by any means, but he is a perfect complement to the pieces they already have in place. There's a lot of conversation. I, I, I love Cam Reddish as well, by the way. There's a lot of conversation, though, that they're looking to move out of Cam Reddish's deal because they, they just don't. I, I, I don't know what the situation is. Maybe they don't feel like they're going to have the money to be able to re-sign him on the next go-round. But if you're looking to move a Cam Reddish, bringing in a guy like Jalen Johnson at, to, as just another versatile player along in that offense is is just amazing. Oh, welcome, man. Welcome. So, so, so DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, they're yeah. kind of, they're they're kind of like the same player in a way. So maybe they they're like they're all in on DeAndre Hunter. They drafted a guy like Jalen Johnson. Yeah. So maybe Cam Reddish is just kind of like the odd man out. Could like be. They already have like Bogdanovich there. Uh, Kevin Herter. Gallinari, really, yeah. yeah uh, Gallinari, Kevin Herter looked really good in the playoffs. So they have a lot of guys who are kind of similar mm -hmm. who are who are eating up a lot of minutes. So maybe. Um, Maybe Cam Reddish is just the odd man out because he, he has had a lot of injury uh, problems, but he looked good when he did uh, come back from in injury in that game uh, yeah. six, I believe, against uh, uh, Milwaukee. Uh, I think I believe he had like 24 points uh, and hit six threes, played uh, uh, some great defense as well. Um, but uh, I just think with that, with all the players they have, all yeah. the uh, versatile wings that they have, maybe just Cam Reddish is just the odd man out. Yeah. Um Jalen Johnson to Atlanta is uh, one of my favorite picks of this first round. Yeah, and and how about Golden State with uh, with their draft? They were oh, talking yeah. about they were talking about moving out of uh, out of seven, out of seven and yeah. fourteen uh, to trade to get an All Star caliber player, and then they end up with Kaminga and uh, Moody. Like that's yeah. that's a that's an A plus draft. They hit for, a home run, them. yeah, home, home run. run for sure. Because Kaminga, you know, I wasn't super high on him, but. A lot of that was because I, I just didn't feel like there's a lot of polish there, and there, there's 
so he has so much raw ability that it's going to take some time. Right. Golden State's a perfect place for that to happen. Perfect. They don't need him to come in and you know he, they're not they're not Orlando where they are looking at him as a starter day one. Right. Uh, he's a guy that can come in and just develop, and if he's able to give you something great, if not, like okay, you, maybe you miss on this thing, but there's massive upside there. Moody's going to play big minutes for them. Like they've hit yeah. a home run in this draft. Yeah, and, you know, with Kaminga, of, co- of course, he'll probably uh, get in and play a little bit. But, I mean, of course, you already have Draymond Green. You already got Pascal. You already got James Wiseman. But, uh, like you said, we're saying with Moody, Moody is uh, – he can go in and play right now and give you some really solid minutes. He's NBA ready. He can score the basketball really well. Um, and then you got a guy like Clay Thompson who's coming off of two uh, horrific injuries. I mean, I, I, I'm sure as much as he's going to want to play as much as he can as far as uh, playing, you know, 30 – 35 plus minutes. Yeah. Um, he, he's not going to play back to back. He's not going to be playing that many minutes. So a guy like Moody is perfect for him to come in and just uh, be a be that scorer. Yeah. Yeah. They've uh, they they hit a home run. And look, I think if you're Orlando, I mean, you were picking at five, and I'm sure they thought like the options probably Scotty Scotty Barnes yeah. or Kaminga potentially or. I mean, I was convinced that Kaminga was just going to be another, like, Jonathan Isaac type pick yeah. for Orlando. Or Scotty Barnes, kind of in that same same scenario uh, where, like, it's really hard to pass on him in that situation. But he's also not a guy that I feel like goes in there and just helps them right. immediately anyway. Uh, for them to sit at five and kind of be on the outside looking in and to still get one of those four premier players in this draft is outstanding. Yeah, uh, I mean, they, they just – basically accidentally drafted Jalen Suggs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they – I'm still confused on what <laughs> Toronto uh, – why they picked Scotty Barnes. Um, I mean, not to take anything away from Scotty Barnes, but in terms of fit, like they already have Siakam. They already have OG Adenobi. They kind of already have guys who are who – are, who have the body type of a Scotty Barnes. Um, you already have uh, Fred Van Vliet, but he, he's used to playing off the ball. So bring another guy who can be a leader, who can be the point guard. So I thought yeah. Jalen Suggs and Toronto was just a perfect match. Well, they gave but. they gave Fred Van Vliet that monster contract because they wanted him to be the guy that that takes over the ball when Kyle Lowry's done. So they're gonna give Fred Van Vliet the the, the basketball. He's he's gonna be that guy. So that, I assume it was probably a situation where let. They have Van Vliet, and Scotty Barnes is a bit of a glue guy that does a little bit of everything. And even though he's not great necessarily at anything, he's probably a guy that you can ask to play a bunch of different roles and fit whatever mold you need him to fit. Right. Well, if that if that's I don't know. I but th- I think it's idiotic to pass on Jalen Suggs. <laughs> period. Like, if that's the case, yeah. Then Toronto should have just swapped the picks with Oklahoma City, just drafted Jalen Suggs, and we could have everyone could have been happy, but. But now Toronto fans are probably uh, questioning the pick. Well, when, why'd you pass up on Jalen Suggs? And then Oklahoma yeah. City fans are like, well, we got Josh Giddy, Giddy up, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> By the way, before Jalen Johnson went to the Hawks, uh, the Knicks drafted Kai Jones, who is being traded to the Hornets. So that's a Hornets draft pick. Kai Jones, the big man out of, out of Texas, center out of Texas. Um, this is a guy that, like, I, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if he plays really good minutes in like two or three years. I mean, the timeline for these these centers, especially, 
like Kai Jones, who are super athletic and seven foot, like for them to get physically ready to play against the upper tier big men in the NBA, it takes a couple years anyway. Like look at DeAndre Ayton. Right. It took him a couple years to physically be able to play this game at a high level at that position. Um, Kai Jones doesn't have nearly the same upside that DeAndre Ayton has, but he's one of those guys like at this point, if there's not a guy you, you absolutely love, sure. Like maybe two or three years down the road, he turns into a starting center for you. Yeah, and he, he has the athleticism, like you said, and he's able to rim protect. Uh, he's got a lot of potential. Uh, he's going to the Hornets, and, you know, the, I feel like the Hornets are going to be moving away from some of their big men, like the Cody Zellers and the Bismack yeah. Biombo. So um, they definitely needed a, a, a center uh, if they're looking to get rid of some of those older guys that they have uh, at that position. And Kai Jones, uh, like I said, he's a, a long rim protector, block a lot of shots, so I think he's perfect. For that, uh, for the Hornets. The New York Knicks have just selected Keon Johnson from Tennessee. This guy set the NBA Draft Combine vertical record, Will, with a 48-inch vertical. Um, I mean, as far as just athlete, uh, this guy's a freak, man. Yeah, um, I mean, we talked about uh, Jalen Green and how his athleticism just kind of just jumps out at you, but yeah. this guy, Keon Johnson, my gosh, like his his athleticism is scary. It's almost scary, like. Uh, how, how are you able to jump that high and do it? Look at this. like Insane. It, and it, it almost just seems easy, effortless. Yeah. He just jumps up a little bit, and he's just, he's just gliding and just flying in the air. Yeah. Uh, and like we, like we said about Jalen Green now, he will probably end up on SportsCenter. Uh, this is another guy who will Absolutely. end up there as well. And especially in that market, uh, I think if he is a guy that can play solid minutes at all, Knicks fans will love him. Absolutely. I mean, just like the, uh, just like with Obi Toppin yeah, last year. Yeah. Um, you look at the fit. You know, they got Emmanuel Quickly, who's a young guy. Uh, obviously, Julius Randle really flourished last year and became an NBA All Star. Uh, I still like R.J. Barrett as a young guy that continues to develop. I still think that he has a higher ceiling than we've seen. I don't think he's close to reaching his potential yet. Um, you mentioned Obi Toppin. Uh, I, I like what Keon Johnson kind of adds to that that core. Yeah, uh, Keon Johnson adds a lot of athleticism, but to what they already have, like you said, Julius Randle looked uh, really good. It became an all-star last year. Uh, Mitchell Robinson is a young uh, center yeah, who's, yeah. Uh, who got hurt last year, but he's really, really talented. Um, R.J. Barrett, we haven't seen the best out of him, but I think he took a step last year for, for sure. sure. Uh, in the playoffs, he didn't play as well, but that's his first playoffs. I mean, everyone right. uh, looks different in their first playoffs. Right. Uh, it's a different got, game. Yeah, it, it's as a completely different as game. As we've laid out, yeah. Uh, the, and they're, they're probably going to uh, miss out on Reggie Bullock this year. Uh, he, he'll probably sign somewhere else. We, you never know. He might sign back. But uh, the, he's going to have a big market. Um, so a guy like Keon Johnson is going to come in and uh, potentially fight for those minutes that Bullock was getting. Yeah. Well, they, they, uh, the one thing that was very clear is they desperately need someone that can just go get buckets in the right. postseason. It, it was – Painful, I think, is an understatement to say, but it was painful to watch them play offensively against Atlanta. Man, Julius Randle, you knew what he was going to do because yeah. in the playoffs, it's all right. Half court offense is breaking down. We need you to go get a bucket. Julius Randle was going left every time, behind the back, step back three. I mean, it was just the same type of stuff. And then RJ Barrett wasn't doing anything different. I mean, at least Derrick Rose was kind of giving you something, getting into the paint and and shooting floaters and everything, yeah. but. Uh, Julius Randle was just shooting really, really tough shots. And that, that, that's an example. Like, in the regular season, those were 
easy 25 plus nights for him but when but once you get into the playoffs and you see these teams really key in on you, uh, you really start to see like what these guys really are truly made of in those moments. And he shot uh, pretty bad uh, percentage-wise in the playoffs. But um, the Knicks definitely need a guy that yeah. is going to be able to give you buckets. By the way, all that stuff we just talked about out the window because he's uh, going to the Clippers. Keon Johnson. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so. I mean, there's a lot to talk about with the Clippers as well. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, in another big media market, and uh, they're going to love him equally with his uh, highlight ability. All right, uh, here is the Lakers pick that uh, goes to the Wizards in the Russell Westbrook trade. So the Lakers make the pick for the Wizards. Heading to the Washington Wizards, a guy we talked about a little bit earlier, Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky. Yeah, uh a, lo a long player who's able to block shots, uh, rim protector. Um, he's kind of got a, a, a similar to maybe a Clint Capella, that type of player who will be able to catch lobs and rim protect. Um, he doesn't have a lot of weight to him, but he's definitely uh, a, an athlete, and he's very explosive. So. Kind of reminds me of Willie Cauley-Stein a little bit coming uh, out of Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely with the uh, similar builds. Um, so, yeah, I definitely like this pick for, for Washington, a, a young guy who can uh, rim protect. Yeah, shot blocker. Uh, but explain this to people real quick because uh, you're a basketball player, so you can probably explain it better than I can. But shot blocker doesn't necessarily equal good defender. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's yeah, there's a complete difference because, yeah. uh, I mean, if you're driving into the lane and then, uh, all of a sudden you uh, leave your defender and then you go up and block a shot. That doesn't necessarily make you a good defender. I mean, Makes that, you a great shot blocker. That makes you yeah. a great shot blocker. There's a complete difference. Yeah. Uh, being to being able to lock down someone uh, on the perimeter to being able to lock down someone uh, in, in the post. Uh, shot blocking is completely different from being a defender. Yeah, okay. Well, it's, uh, it's one of those, th you know, like, I, I think that I've heard media members like discussing all defensive teams and they'll pull up statistics and like immediately go to blocks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm not saying you can't be a great defender and a great shot blocker. Right. But those things don't have, they're, yeah, they don't have to go hand in hand. Like those are separate things. You can potentially be both, but one doesn't necessarily make you the other. I don't think when, uh, <laughs> when you talk about defense, I don't think you start with shot blocking. I think you start with, um, being able to lock down someone yeah. on the on the perimeter, being well, even able steals to is uh, that's another example. I think sometimes you just like who led the league in steals, like that, that taking make, the ball away. Again, it's a great skill, but it's it doesn't necessarily make you a great defender. Because there's a difference between if you're actually stealing the ball from someone or if you're in just in the passing, passing lane, lane, being in yeah. the right being in the right, right spot. I mean that's what I mean that's a lot of what defense is is being in the right spot you know uh, being on a string with your teammates being in help and all that but in terms of being an on ball defender that's that's what you want to think about when you talk about defense. What I mean what if you get a couple steals a game but you also give up forty every night to your opponent I mean that's kind of what we see now yeah, yeah. I mean the guys are right. getting t uh, three and four steals but oh this Trey Young had forty eight points right. so. like I don't even <laughs> need to look at where Drew Holiday ranks in the NBA in steals. To know he's the best perimeter defender in the NBA. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, it's just those things aren't. Uh... So, I, when people see the term, and, and the reason I bring it up is Isaiah Jackson, people see the term shot blocker, and I think in their mind, they put those two terms together and it turns into good defensive player. I'm like, not necessarily, but, you know, we don't have to rule it out either. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a good shot blocker, but, uh, I mean, if someone has their back to the basket and, and they're backing him down, I mean, he's right. only 200 pounds. Right, yeah. He's 6'11", <laughs> but he, well, he weighs as much as I do. I mean, if you, if, <laughs> if, if you give him a fake, I mean, he's going to jump. And then, so, I mean, his post defense might be, not be that good, but he can block shots. So, so there, there yeah. is a difference. Yeah. Um, guy that I like that is still on the board. Um, I don't know if he'll make it to Oklahoma City at the top of the second round. Uh, also, they've already taken two point guards, so maybe that rules this guy out. But Jared Butler from Baylor, uh, part of the national championship team, he's a guy that I don't know that he does anything great, but he's just good across the board. Yeah, and, and he made a lot of big shots uh, for Baylor in the, in the, uh, in the tournament. So uh, big shot maker, can, can run the team. But like you said, with uh, the Thunder taking two point guards already. But, you know, maybe you never know. Maybe they need a backup to the backup uh, yeah. <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of plans if uh, Josh Giddy doesn't work out. So. Also, uh, Isaiah Jackson has now already been traded. Again, I said we've reached that point where, like, every other pick is going to be moved. So as soon as we talk about the fit, uh, we're going to have to talk about the fit somewhere else. Uh, he is on his way to Indiana which uh, will might signal if Indiana's trading for him, that might signal the end of Miles Turner in Indiana, who's been one of the better shot blockers in the NBA for the last several seasons. Yeah, I, I really like Miles Turner's game. I think uh, he brings a lot defensively, but also he can stretch the floor offensively. He can make threes. He can st still be a post presence as well. Um, I think uh, the trade marker for him will be huge. Uh, I think a team like Golden State was talking about bringing him in. Uh, I think contenders will really be looking to try to get a guy like Miles Turner. He brings a lot to the table for sure. All right, so we uh, I am seeing tweets on the number 23 selection. It looks like the broadcast has now caught up as well. So the, they just showed the pick is in for the Houston Rockets at 23. Um, here we go. I'm. I, you know what? This is uh, our buddy to our right is a uh, massive Houston Rockets fan. So... <laughs> We'll get to see his reaction following the Rockets taking Jalen Green with the number two overall pick in this draft. They now have back-to-back -back selections here, I believe, at 23 and 24. Best available, Usman Garuba, Cameron Thomas, Sharif Cooper, Jared Butler, who we just discussed, and Dayron Sharp uh, from North Carolina. North Carolina had like five like 6'11 dudes on their roster last year. They, they had to be the biggest team in the country. And those guys rotated a lot of minutes. They were it was they they were a massive disappointment. It wasn't a yeah. very good basketball team. I don't know that any of those guys really had the opportunity to uh, to develop into what they should be. So here we go. Usman Garuba, Spain to the Houston Rockets. This was the guy that I uh, said I would bet on to be the Thunder's pick at 18. I've heard, uh, I've heard mixed feelings on this guy. Well, automatically, when, it, when, I, when I saw the picture of him, you could just tell he's got a high motor. But uh, th this is a guy who can't rebound the ball. He plays really hard. Um, he just does, I feel like he does a lot of garbage things, you know. He's yeah. kind of like a, a, a garbage man in a way. But um, I think he'll uh, be really good as a, as a stretch five type guy or uh, a four man in the NBA. He's got the body for sure. So you're saying that if he were to play for the Oklahoma City Thunder 10 years down the road, his jersey would be retired. Absolutely. That's the kind of player that you're saying he is. 
<laughs> I mean, or at least that's the way I kind of like correlated that description with previous events in Oklahoma City Thunder basketball history. Yeah, his his jersey's hang going up in the Raptors. Absolutely, <laughs> blue guy does all the small things, rebounds, sets really good screens, uh, work, works hard, bleeds like nobody's business. <laughs> Mr. Thunder 2.0. I, I saw somebody tweet this uh, about 10 minutes ago, and I want to bring it up. The tweet was, we spent three months losing by 50 every night for Josh Giddy. <laughs> yeah. Um. That also is a little bit of a kick in the stomach, right? Like when, when you think about, once again, the Thunder, I think early in the season, I we all thought they were going to be one of the bottom three teams in the NBA. Right. Once again, early in the season, they, they surprised us. Now, take that for what it's worth. It's early season, you know, NBA basketball. But they were better than anybody anticipated, without a doubt. I think that's fair to say. Uh, but to go from, hey, this is a mild surprise that they're better than we thought to they're getting drilled and setting records on a nightly basis for, you know, margin of victory, uh, and that results in first the number six pick and then the inability to get out of that pick and get a better pick. And then it turns into Josh Giddy, a guy that is a project that has some major deficiencies. Um, yeah, punch to the gut, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a massive punch to the gut because you, you build all of this up. Like once you, once you make it be known that you're tanking, <laughs> you know why you're tanking. You're tanking for the draft. You're taking uh, to, to get a high pick in the draft. You're one of the bottom three teams. So then you expect to get one of the, you know, a top five pick. And then for it to be number six, just right outside of the top five, that's, that's kind of a gut punch. But then for, for your first pick after all that buildup to be, to be Josh Giddy, when you could have got Jalen Suggs, or not could have got Jalen Suggs, but when you were one pick away from getting Jalen Suggs, and then if you don't get sucked, so you want to go with the best available, and then all of a sudden you just get Josh Giddy. So it's all really just uh, confusing at this point. So uh, definitely a gut punch. Yeah, or uh, a junk punch if you <laughs> right. want to just take it a step further. All right, we are at the 24th pick in the first round. Um, there's a name that I like, Miles McBride on the best available uh, from West Virginia. He's also a guy that might just be a career backup, Will, but a guy that I think plays hard, defends well, decent shooter. Like, he could be one of those guys that sticks around the league for multiple contracts not a, and, and maybe never starts for a team. Yeah, we're, we're past the point of, of guys who will probably get into the starting lineup or guys who will get high minutes. We're, we're, we're at the point now where we're looking at guys who are backups, but Backups are so important uh, in this game. Like, what happens if you uh, if you are a team that's dealing with injuries? You have to look to your bench, uh, and and bench depth is is so important. Uh, Jared Butler's still on the board. Uh, Dayron Sharp is still on the board. Josh Christopher is still on the board. Like, there's still a lot of really solid players that's still uh, out there to um, to be drafted. But Miles McBride's definitely a really solid player. The best players in NBA history to be selected with the number 24 pick in the draft. We've got, uh, let's start with, we've got Terry Rozier from the Portland Trailblazers. We have Arvita Sabonis, Latrell Sprewell. Wow. Who, uh, I was a big Sprewell fan of the Golden State days. 
Sam Cassell. Wow. 24th pick in the 93 draft, three-time NBA champion. Andre Karolinko, AK-47. Hey, this is a solid list. <laughs> this is probably better than a lot of picks. Kyle wow. Lowry was a number 24 selection. Wow. Serge Ibaka was a number 24 selection. So there you go. Um, I'm, I looked at the list of number six overall picks like a week ago. I'm pretty sure that list is better <laughs> than the best picks at number six in NBA history. Yeah, I can't even tell you, like, uh, off the top of my head who has been drafted uh, number six previously, who's just been, like, a, a, a big success. Um, man, uh, but that was number 24. Like, Sam Cassell yeah. uh, had a great career. Kyle Lowry had a great career. Andre Karolinko had a, uh, had a long career. Um, Arvita Sabonis was one of the best big men yeah. in, in the game. Uh, Latrell Sprewell went to the NBA Finals with the Knicks. Like uh, a lot of big he was, names. He was All NBA when he was in Golden State before the the, the, choke. the, the choke happened <laughs> with PJ, <laughs> the first uh, coach in Thunder history. All right, here we go. I'm, we're going to go back uh, in uh, in the NBA yearbook, and I'm going to go over the number six picks. So let's just hope that it works out better for Josh Giddy. <laughs> than it has for 90% of what we're about to throw out there, okay? So we had Josh Giddy as the number six pick this year. Last year it was Jarrett Culver, who mm. I think we all really liked coming yeah, out of Tech, but it's, really not, it's not turned out positive for him to this point. Right. Again, it's only been two years, but uh, Culver from Tech in 2019, Mo Bamba in 2018, Jonathan Isaac in 2017, Buddy Heald in 2016, who's become a, a good NBA player. Willie Cauley-Stein in 2015. Average, I mean, yeah. just, you know, he uh, he makes rosters. Uh, Marcus Smart. Okay, yeah. Good player. Sol I mean, solid player. Yeah. Uh, Nerlens Noel, kind of a big man journeyman. Mm -hmm. Damian Lillard is by far the best wow. number six player, I think, ever. Uh, Damian Lillard in 2012. Jan Vesely in 2011. Epe Udo, Edmund's own Epe Udo uh, in 2010. Uh, I don't think he made a second contract in the NBA. I think he was, he was in uh, China, was maybe, or uh, it could have been one of the Euro Leagues. Right. Um, Johnny Flynn. In oh, 2009 man. out of Syracuse. When they could have got Steph Curry. <laughs> yep. Danilo Gallinari in 2008, which is one of the better number six picks right. on this list. Uh, remember Yi Jian Leon? Oh, yeah. Everyone thought by he was the Milwaukee Bucks. Everyone yeah. thought he was the, the next yeah. Yao Ming. In 2006. <laughs> uh, Martel Webster by Portland in 2005, who was, I think, just longtime NBA player, career backup, basically. Yeah, solid. Uh, Josh Childress in 2004. Chris Kamen, 2003. Dewan Wagner, who I, I loved watching uh, when he was at Memphis. Yeah. Didn't turn out uh, in the NBA, but Dewan Wagner in 2002. Shane Battier in 2001. DeMar Johnson from Cincinnati in 2000. We can go back to the 90s. Uh, Wally World, Wally Zerbiak, <laughs> who actually was an all-star, I believe, one year with Minnesota. Yep. Robert Tractor Trailer Tractor in 98. Ron Mercer, uh, who will always be one of my biggest misses because I just thought this guy was going to be a future perennial all-star when he came <laughs> out of Kentucky, and uh, that didn't happen. Uh, Ron Mercer in 97. Antoine Walker in 96, who yeah. became an all-star. Big Country in 95. Reeves. Fantastic uh, until injuries cut his career short. Sharon Wright, 
Clemson. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. <laughs> you drafted a guy in today's NBA that plays on the perimeter but is unathletic and can't shoot. Some disgruntled uh, Thunder fans yeah. have approached us. <laughs> right. They have all those picks that everybody's convinced they're going to be able to trade to move up. They can't trade to move up. They end up with this guy that can't shoot the ball but plays guard. <laughs> Worst case scenario. And then they trade number 16 for two future first rounders that once again they're not going to be able to use to trade into the top five of an NBA draft. <laughs> Amen. Agree 100%. It's not good. What do you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh yeah, yeah. Spirited so, conversation there. Yes, yeah, some uh, disgruntled Thunder fans, to say the yeah. least. Yeah. Uh, and at first we were using uh, "underwhelming" and everything, but he said "disgusted." Like <laughs> he was disgusted. Yeah, he, he was disgusted. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, the bottom. Like, maybe this guy becomes a really good player. Like, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that he won't or that he can't. Right. But I'm going to say that when you're picking at number six in the NBA draft to take a guy that is a guard, mm -hmm. that plays on the perimeter, that's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, and he's not athletically explosive, and he doesn't finish at the rim, and he doesn't shoot the ball well, like those are pretty damning deficiencies for the number six pick in the NBA draft. Yeah. Like if the Thunder take him at 12, this is probably a completely different conversation. But with the number six pick in the draft, taking a guy that has a deficiency of struggles to shoot the basketball in today's NBA is not what you're looking for. Yeah, uh, especially <laughs> when there's guys on the board who would help, who, would, who would have helped you. Uh, Moses Moody was still on the board. Uh, Kaminga was still on the board. Like so many yeah. different guys who, uh, that you could have went with, but instead you pick uh, Josh Giddy, like, who, like you said, has a lot of defic deficiencies. But I'm sure Sam Presti will get on the press conference yeah. and he'll be very positive. He'll talk about how much he likes uh, Josh Giddy. He'll talk about all the positives. Um, I don't. He'll probably won't address any of the shooting concerns that the yeah. that the fans have. But uh, he'll probably talk about his IQ, about how he's been playing professionally uh, a lot longer than a lot of the guys in the draft. So, um, and like you said, I mean, this could work out. This could be uh, something that we're just missing, and Josh Giddy could bring something to the yeah, table maybe, that we I mean, haven't seen yeah, before. Yeah, maybe he becomes. Uh but from all, what all NBA, but, but from what we know, right? That it doesn't seem likely. Well, and look, I, I like here's the other thing: we've seen less of Josh Giddy than any of the other top 15 players in this draft. Right. So, it, it, out of the gate, you're at a disadvantage as far as just what we've seen from him, right. comparing him to the other players. But secondly, when you see the negatives that are listed against him, and in the little bit you've seen, those are kind of backed up. Right. You're like you're, you're right. You don't see him hitting a bunch of shots. You don't see him. You don't see a lot of athleticism. Right. Uh, that's not to say he doesn't have positives to his game, but when you're taking him with the number six pick and going into this draft, all the conversation is about getting a difference maker and trying to move up. And you failed to move up, and you have to make this number six pick. You're in a bad situation anyway because you weren't able to move up, and you're stuck with this pick. And it becomes a guy that has as glaring deficiencies as he has versus guys that 
look, maybe there were other guys that had less upside, but right. a, a significantly higher floor. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would have been happier with that, uh, myself included. I just, I in today's NBA, I I have a hard time, especially with a lottery pick, taking a yeah. guard that struggles to shoot. Yeah, I just don't know. That's not a. I just don't know how that's a winning recipe. Yeah, and uh, you know he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. So uh, if he's going to be the one that's trying to make plays and get, people aren't even guarding him, uh, he might just become a liability. <laughs> but, I mean, we're going to have to see uh, what he brings to the table offensively. I mean, I'm sure in the regular season we'll see a lot of uh, some highlights of him making some nice passes and everything. But yeah. uh, when it comes to um, scoring and uh, and everything, I mean, he's he's got a, he's got a lot to prove. I mean. Uh, well, here's the other thing. Let's let's like look at this from the grand scheme of things. It, again, assuming that the right now the team that's together is is what we're looking at, and that's probably going to change. But Shea needs the ball in his hands. Maladon is better, I think, as a ball dominant guy. Would you agree with that or right. no? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Poku, does he need the ball in his hands? Uh, not necessarily. I okay. Mean. Um, I mean, he, when they drafted him, he was kind of a point forward. Mm-hmm. was kind of like what he was sold as. So maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, this guy is a guy that, needs I mean, he definitely needs the ball. He's not a sh- If he's not a threat to, to shoot, right. and his, the best thing about him is his passing ability, that means the ball is going to be in his hands, which, once again, you're taking the ball out of Shea's hands right. to give it to this guy. Like. I don't know, man. It just doesn't. Base is going to need the ball. Yeah, I feel like he, up. he does better when he uh, when he's being a creator as far as like creating a shot for himself. So yeah. yeah. And if if you are if you are not a shooter, you're already shrinking the floor anyway for your offense, right? Because teams don't have to respect you. But then, this Thunder team is notorious for not having shooters. Oh God, yeah. So like it's just it, like. <laughs> There are major issues that are just compacted by, like, what the situation in Oklahoma City is. Yeah. And you almost forget, because I, I completely just forgot, like, Kimba Walker is still on the roster. Kimba, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, with them, with them drafting a, a point guard, though, does this mean that Kimba is probably on his way out I soon? assume Kimba is going to be traded at some point. Now, if they can't find the right deal, maybe he starts the season here, but... I would have a really hard time imagining Kimba being on Oklahoma City after the trade deadline. Right. Yeah. Agreed. And and for me, with them drafting a point guard, I think we'll probably see Kimba out uh, sooner rather than later if they're, like you said, if they're able to find the the, the trade partner because his yeah. contract uh, does factor in. But, um, yeah, with them drafting uh, a point guard so early at six when, yeah. there were so, when there were better players on the board, I, I think they're really wanting to build – uh, around Josh Gideon. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I always look at teams this way as well. Like, who are your best five players? And how are you going to get those guys on the floor when the game is on the line and, you know, pose- every possession matters and you're trying to figure out, these are my best five guys, they're going to go win me this game. If you are, if you have a top ten pick, like, I think you're you're not a good team, right. A, because you have a top ten pick, or maybe you're, you know, you're lucky like Golden State was and You've had injuries and, and whatnot. But but most of the time, if you're picking in the top ten, you're not a good team. Right. So even if you're not necessarily getting a star caliber player, which is obviously not the case, not everybody in the top ten gets a star caliber player. In fact, that's 
it's it's a rare thing. Like you know, it's really hard to find those guys. But picking in the top ten means you should be picking a guy that you feel like is one of your best five players. Absolutely. Like you're at that point where you're picking in the top ten because you're not any good. So picking this guy means he should be coming in, and you're hoping that he's going to be one of your best five. I don't know how Josh Giddy with this current Thunder team, is getting on the floor as one of the best five players with the game alone. Yeah, because uh, right away you have Shea, you have Dort. Uh, if Kimba's there, Kimba will be there. Um, Kimba and Shea, for sure. If I mean, and, and let's just say Kimba's gone, even at that point. It, is he on the floor? It's a, it's, it's a really interesting conversation. I mean, I, maybe he's forced on the floor because he's – uh, a guy who will probably set up the offense and take the ball uh, out of Shea's hands maybe so uh, Shea doesn't have to be the guy that's setting up the offense. But uh, outside of that, yeah. um, I don't I don't see it. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a head-scratcher in so many ways. <laughs> and, uh, like, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be somebody that's going to pump this pick up and tell us, you know, why we're all stupid, because there's always that contrarian that's going to just right. go against the grain for the sake of going against the grain. And I'll be honest with you, I can't wait to hear that person try and sell everybody <laughs> on why this pick is great, why it's going to work, and why the Thunder are smarter than everybody else in the NBA. There's no way that anybody looked at that pick and just was like, this is a this is a smart pick. Like I would have went with Josh Giddy at six, or <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't go sooner. Like, come on, man. Like, I'm sure that there's not anybody, uh, maybe outside of the Thunder organization, that thought that Josh Giddy was top six material. Yeah, I I mean I told you I didn't have I didn't have him in my top ten. I, I think I had him as the 13th or 14th ranked player. And again, because he does do some good things and. Yeah. There is upside. Like it's it's not like this guy's a bum, uh, but like I, I, there's no way I'm putting him in, a, especially ahead of guys like Moody. Yeah, that, or Book Knight. That, that that's the only thing. That, like that's what this is. Like he's a lottery pick. We all know we we giving him credit of being a lottery pick and everything. But when you got guys on the board like Moody, like Book Knight, like Kaminga, like all these different guys, I mean it's, it's hard to just say like okay, I'm gonna go ahead and pick Josh Giddy in front of all of these guys. Um, I. Like, we had the conversation about Jalen Johnson a second ago who went 20th. If the Thunder had taken Jalen Johnson over Josh Giddy at number six, at least for me, I think that's a, that's a better path than what they did. I mean, I'm sure that people still would have been scratching their heads, but still, like, when you... Well, yeah, of course, but yeah. But still, like, yeah, I'm with you. Like, Jalen Johnson, just his skill set, everything he brings to the table, it's more of a fit for what the Thunder, uh, what the Thunder like, what the Thunder yeah. do now. But uh, when you bring in a Josh Giddy, when uh, it's it's, such, it's so confusing, man, so confusing. Um, there has been a lot of uh, leading up to this, like Sam is the man, <laughs> in Presti we trust. Um, I, <laughs> I I wouldn't say every. I, I, there have been, I've seen a few tweets that are like. I don't like it, but I'm willing to give Presti the benefit of the doubt, you know, type things. But I think the overwhelming majority of people are like, "What the hell is this guy doing?" Like, yeah, I'm kind of on. The, I'm kind of on that side. Like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to give Presti the benefit of the doubt because of his track record, but I'm so confused on what uh, what yeah. we're doing here with this. Because I mean, t the tanking part was. I mean, it was clear. I mean. Once you trade Russell Westbrook, then you trade Chris Paul away and all that stuff, you know that the tank is coming. Right. So, I mean, of course, impressed who we trust. You know, it's all good. But 
for for the the whole tanking and all this to end up with Josh Giddy and uh, as your as your first pick that you choose yeah. with this, it's just confusing. What are the chances that all the scouting reports on Josh Giddy are wrong and he just comes in and he's a sharpshooter and we see him like getting to the bucket and dunking on people? I mean, I, that's that might be what it has to be because. <laughs> For Sam Presti to, to, to go with the number six yeah. pick and pick this guy in front of so many different players, I mean, there's got to be something that we don't know that he that he knows. Yeah. Because like I said, I, it's, you know, I'm, I'm willing to completely admit that I've seen far less of him than any other player that was picked in the lottery. And so naturally, you know, there's there's just a lack there's a lack of information to right. be honest on him versus the other guys. So that already puts him at a disadvantage in my rankings anyway. But then when you like go into depth on what the deficiencies are, what the negatives are to his game, and a, I mean, when we've just watched what Ben Simmons was incapable of doing, when we've watched firsthand Russell Westbrook do amazing things as one of the most athletic human beings on earth, but also have that deficiency of not being able to shoot. And you understand like how detrimental that is to, to a team uh, for that position specifically. Um, like you read that and it's backed up in the minimal amount of information that you're able to watch with your own eyes. Like I, we could all be wrong, but I get why fan, even the people that have some sort of awareness of what kind of player this guy is, why those people are upset. Like, I get it. If you're one of those people that's never heard of the guy and you're like, I don't know who Josh Giddy is. This is a horrible pick. Right. Like, that's usually what happens, and I, I totally understand that. Like, you don't know the guy versus, you know, somebody that was a known commodity. You're, you're always going to be upset. But I think even the people that did the amount of homework that was available to do are, are kind of asking the same questions. Like, what? Yeah, Josh Giddy at six, like that's that's a very valid question. But still, I mean, when you look at the highlights of him, I mean, of course, you see you see good passing. You see uh, a guy who's able to control maybe the pace of the game. Maybe that's what uh, Sam Presti uh, liked so much. And he has been playing professionally longer yeah. than uh, any of the players in the draft. So maybe that's another thing. But he's not very athletic. And this is a league where the, these guys are elite, uh, elite athletes. Like, and now you're, you're getting yeah. more guys like Jalen Green and Keon Johnson, and these guys who are just freak ath- athletically. Um, Josh Giddy doesn't really bring much athleticism. Yeah. Uh, shooting, I mean, we, ha- we haven't seen much when it comes to shooting. But the only thing that we know for sure is that this guy has high IQ. But outside of that, like, what yeah. is he bringing to the table? It's just a lot of questions. And then for you to drop to number six, <laughs> I mean – what what can you say to back that up? Like, yeah. I'm I'm curious to see what Sam Presti has to yeah. say to back the, the to, to draft him up uh, at number six. Yeah. All right, uh, stick around. We'll get your final thoughts. We're only three picks away from the end of this first round, so hang out for a minute. We'll come back to you. Uh, I want to get Aaron Davis' final thoughts here as uh, this first round I'm is in. about to come to an end. Um, now that uh, he's also, like us, had more time to, to kind of digest the, uh, the Josh Giddy pick at number six uh, and find out what Aaron thinks of the Trey Mann pick because we haven't had the chance to get his comments on that yet. So, uh, Aaron, are you any less satisfied or more satisfied in the number six pick now that uh, you've had some time to kind of breathe? Yeah, no, it was fun. Uh, tonight was a good mock draft, a good practice run for the drafts to see what uh, might happen. Uh, if things played out the way they did, and, um, 
Yeah, let's start this thing over tomorrow night. Yeah. Let's do the real draft tomorrow. Now right. that, uh, yeah. A little mulligan on the whole thing. Um, I don't feel any better. Like, I'm not going to sit here and trash the pick necessarily because, like I said earlier, we don't really know what he can do for our, for 48 minutes or 40 minutes or anything. I don't for know. For sure. For I sure. don't know anything that he can do on a possession-to-possession basis. But I know from the scouting report and from the highlight tape, and by the way, I sent you a little clip of him yeah, dunking and it, uh, yeah. the athleticism. <laughs> primo. Uh, not not Primo like the uh, Spurs draft Not Josh Primo. Not Josh but Primo. Yeah. But uh, – he could be a difference maker, but it's not going to be this year. It's not going to be next year. Uh, and Royce Royce Young uh, tweeted out earlier that the plan is to extend Shea right now, which makes absolute sense for on both ends. For sure. I mean, yeah. he's going to be a restricted free agent next year in Oklahoma City. Don't let him walk. And if you're Shea, you're going to make more money by resigning with Oklahoma City right now. So, uh, I mean, he's not going anywhere for a while, and I just don't know how how. Um, Josh Giddy really fits in to the scheme outside of he has to be a second unit guy. Yeah. He's got to be the point guard with that second unit, and you and, and you just got to add some shooters to put around him and somebody uh, that can catch alley-oops, and he can he, he could thrive in the NBA. But right now, as this roster is constructed, it's I think Trey Mann gets more minutes right now yeah, next I, year than, than uh, Giddy does. I asked Will, I mean, did the Thunder pick a better point guard at 18 than they did at 6? For what they need right now, uh, basically on their team, on their roster, yeah, I don't know. Skill-wise, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know skill-wise necessarily if Trey Mann is better than uh, Giddy, but I mean, he's going to play more. I mean, he offers yeah. him scoring. They need scoring other than Shea. Yeah. That was one of ESPN, you know, that was their top thunder need was they need a second score to put alongside Shea because we're all under the impression that Kemba's not going to be here. If he's right. here, it's going right. to be for a couple months. It's a rental. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, best, I guess it depends where you look at it. At the, the longest case scenario for Kimba is that it's just like Al Horford where he plays a couple months and then they just tell him to go home yeah. even though he's healthy and he just yeah. kind of sits out if they can't make a trade. Yeah. So. No, it's, it's, it's puzzling. And, again, like I, I don't if, – if they had taken him at 12, Aaron, or 14 or 16, I think it's a completely different conversation, right? Like – I think there were players on the board at six that seemingly give you a lot more than this guy does. And when you're picking at six, like I think there's an expectation that you're getting a guy that is at least a starting caliber player on your team. Because if you're the sixth pick, you're probably a bad suck, team. Yeah. They, I mean, basically they, they picked a backup point guard that might not even be the backup point guard. I don't see right? how he is next year. I don't yeah. see how on the depth chart right now, going into 2021-22, if the roster stays the same, how he's above Shea, Kimba, uh, Maldon, and I, I think and he's going to compete against Trey, Trey Mann. Mann. It's probably yeah. a wash, but Trey can score, <laughs> yeah. so Trey Mann's going to have the edge. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, there's positives yeah. there with with Giddy, obviously. I mean, well, sure, yeah. Even even six was high for him, but I mean, nobody really had him falling below like twelve or thirteen. So it's not like they reached like a crazy amount he's for not this a dude. Second round pick. No, he, I mean he's a lottery pick for sure. But he just he would have made more sense on a team like Portland, maybe. Well, I mean, you don't want to take the ball off Dame's hands, but like a, a team that has a lot of shooting, and you kind of just need a guy to to, to facilitate. Yeah. 
I don't know what off the top of my head what <laughs> roster that might be. Maybe it's like uh, I mean, in today's basketball, it's, I mean, you really don't want that. You really don't right. want a ball dominant guard that can't that shoot. That can't shoot. It's it it drags the entire offense down. And I I said this to Will a few minutes ago. If you're putting your best five players on the floor, number one, I don't think this guy's on the floor because of you're, you're not taking the ball out of Shea's hands or Kemba's hands or, you know, potentially two other point guards' hands to put it in, in this guy's hands in the final five minutes. But secondly, if you do put the ball in his hands, he's already a guy that nobody is going to respect from a shooting standpoint anyway, so you've shrunk the floor to begin with. Yeah. Plus the Thunder are notorious for not being a good shooting team. Hey, well, they've so got a non-shooter on a non-shooting team whose best trait is to pass to a bunch of non-shooters. I mean, it's not a recipe for success, that's for sure. Um, it's just puzzling in so many areas. Do you think that was the plan going into the night? You think that six hours ago they said that if we're still at six, we're taking Josh Giddy? I I think that they probably were convinced that. They were just going to make so many trade offers to everybody above them that one of them would work and that potentially, you know, they were just going to be in a position that, that they were going to be able to get somebody a little higher. Uh, the fact that Book Knight was available and they didn't take him is shocking because he, I mean, you want to talk about best fit, he's the best fit. And he's probably the best just right today natural scorer in the draft. Somebody that can play off ball next to Shea. Yeah. He can score. He's a great score. Yeah, scorer. just go get buckets. Um, I, I think Moses Moody fit them way better. Uh, th- I mean, there were a number of guys that I thought fit them way better than, uh, than Josh Giddy. I, I don't know. I, I mean, Presti loves the international guys. But the point of it all is, like, in today's NBA, to have a guard that struggles to shoot the ball and how detrimental that is to the rest of your offense – and what that does to the other offensive players on the floor, uh, I, I think it's too much to overcome in today's NBA. And to, to take that position with the number six pick in the draft versus you know something outside of the top ten, I think makes it even worse. And then the cherry on top of it all is the fact that Jalen Suggs goes one pick before. Do you think there's ever been a top ten pick that started his rookie year in the G League? Like, started the NBA season? Yeah. Obviously, there's been top 10 picks that have been played, played in the G summer. League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you think there's ever been one that started in the G League? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, there. I, I think there's a chance Kaminga does. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, that's a tough team to find minutes on, too. Right. In and Golden he, and State. he's so raw. Yeah, I could uh, see that. That I could see that That'd for be, sure. How, how hilarious would it be? It, that he goes back to the G League. The number six and seven picks in the draft are, are uh, G well, League That All-Stars. too, but Kaminga yeah. skipped college to yeah. go to the G League. G League, yeah. And then gets drafted and goes back to the G League. I, I mean, guess that, he's a millionaire this time, That probably won't happen, but, like, it wouldn't shock me. No. Especially if, I mean, Golden State wants to win. So, like, they're not going to just give him developmental minutes. No, not at all. I, yeah, I just, I don't know as far as Giddy goes. I, like, I, can't, I can't imagine him starting in the G League. Like, you don't want to pay a guy $3 million and just send him straight to the G League. or what? I mean, it's going to three, three-ish, four-ish million this year. But I just don't know where he finds minutes. I mean, they're going to be down in a lot of games. Maybe you just play deep when you're down by 40 at the end of yeah. end of games. But 
I even then like you need Teo yeah. and and Trey Mann and like you need those dudes to get some minutes too. Like you need a lot of guys in this team that need minutes. Luke, yeah. Like Luke Dort could use minutes. Everybody can use minutes on this Thunder roster outside of, I mean, really Shea and Kemba are the only guys that you don't yeah. need developmental minutes right now. Well, and let me throw this out too because I'm I, like I, as as I'm saying all this, I'm also. I'm, I'm guilty of, like, putting the Thunder in this playoff mindset. The Thunder aren't going to be playing playoff basketball, and most teams aren't going to game plan against this guy, most likely, for no. the next mul- multiple years where they're going to, like, make his shooting deficiencies such a glaring issue for OKC. So I'm willing to concede at least that the Thunder not being a playoff team and playing a bunch of regular season games – this guy will look better than if he were to play in a playoff series where, you know, teams are going to take away your strengths and make you thrive through your weaknesses. So I will throw that out there. What uh, Were there any comps that you had seen on him? The one that I heard was LaMelo Ball. That's, I just – LaMelo Ball is like – that's a tough comparison because LaMelo Ball is – like, ruthlessly aggressive. Yeah. Like, the dude scored 96 points in a <laughs> high school game. I know yeah. it's high school, but, like, you have to have, like, an unbreakable confidence or an ego to <coughs> to uh, somebody, somebody just win Magic's somebody Ball. Somebody just won the Magic Johnson autograph basketball. Oh, they yeah. won Magic's Ball. Nice. Uh, you have to have an ego to score 96 points <laughs> in a game, and I – like that's something that's going to make Lamelo Ball amazing because yeah. he, he's going to walk on the floor every time and think that he's the best player. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Does Josh Giddy have that? Uh, have that? You know. Uh, killer instinct. Kill, well, yeah, killer instinct. I'm trying. My my brain's dead. I'm I'm not usually up this late anymore. But uh, yeah, the NBA draft net comp for uh, Josh Giddy is Joe Ingles. I don't know if that's just because they're both Australian. Why would it, yeah, I, that makes no sense. Yeah, Joe Ingles is a good three-point shooter. Joe Ingles is like a poor man's, like... Joe Ingles is a catch-and-shoot. Shoot, yeah. I mean, he's a... Joe, Joe Ingles, if they got Joe Ingles, I think that would be a great... Like, that's a great scenario <laughs> yes. if Josh Giddey ends that's up being the, Joe that's Ingles. That's the worst NBA draft.net comp I've ever heard in my life. Josh Giddey and Joe Ingles, they're nothing alike. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ingles is a perimeter player that – Joe Ingles is like uh, Kyle Anderson, but with a, like a really good three-point shot. Right. I hope I hope that Josh Giddey's not that slow. Well, I mean, he lacks athleticism, quote-unquote, oh, well. as one of his weaknesses. Yeah. And but- Joe Ingles is one of the – I mean, Joe Ingles shoots a really good percentage from the outside. I'm going to be honest too, Colby. Like, I was watching some Josh Giddey highlights and – I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little brainwashed by today's NBA and the style of basketball that's played. But I, I, I wasn't impressed. Like no. it wasn't anything. Like it was nice, but he just feels like a player that's coming into the league of like 10, 15 years too late. Yeah. Yeah. I said earlier, if this pick twenty years ago makes a lot more sense than this pick in today's league. Oh, he would have been a top five pick twenty years ago. A six eight point guard with elite level four vision. Yeah. 
Right. He would have been a top, he might have been the number one pick. Might have, yeah. With that skill set. Well, Mobley would have been the number one pick. Well, Giddy yeah. Might, Giddy, might, Giddy three. might be number two or three. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's still young. He's only 18. He has played, you know, professional basketball already, so it doesn't hurt. But, I mean. I, I hope the guy succeeds, and I hope he becomes a really good player. And for, for you know, the sake of the Thunder, I hope he becomes a big contributor. Um, but, I like, it's it's not it's not so much that I'm shitting on the pick as I'm very puzzled by the pick and I feel like I'm asking legitimate questions about why this is why this would be a fit and why this would or wouldn't work because I think there are legitimate questions to be asked in in that regard. I mean, we joked about it before the draft started about like the Thunder trading back and how stupid that would be, but honestly, like <laughs> if your plan was to draft Giddy the whole time, you could have traded back. Maybe, yeah. I don't know who's going to take Giddy? Like, I yeah. I just can't imagine with the guys that were on the board that Giddy was light years ahead of anybody on anybody's board that you couldn't have traded back. Yikes! I mean, yeah. You, yeah. And it's it's like I said, it's the double kick in the junk that Jalen Suggs goes one pick before, and it's also one of those things where it's like you spent half the season literally tanking to a record level. Losing by like forty and fifty points every night to get to the point that you draft Josh Giddy. I mean, you literally gave up because they were yeah. a five hundred team yeah. halfway through the season, and then yeah. they said this is going way better than yeah. we are worse, depending on your perspective than we yeah. anticipated it going. We need to, you know, really screw this thing up. But yeah, I mean, they got a lot of guards. I know that's one thing I know for sure is that Oklahoma City is not lacking yeah. for guards for sure. All right, man. Uh, final thoughts. Uh, I'm disappointed by the Thunder draft, to say the least, obviously. Um, I talked about it on the podcast yesterday and last week. Like The NBA draft is such a crapshoot. Once you get out of the top three, like you just have no idea what you're going to get because you don't know how these guys are going to you know, respond to being in the NBA yeah. and how they're going to progress. We see guys like Andrew Wiggins who don't get any better from their rookie year until year 10. Yeah. And then you see guys like Nikola Jokic who go in the second round and turn into MVPs. Now, obviously, yeah. that's an, the extreme, but like you just don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to get a Giannis or you're going to get yeah. a Johnny Flynn. Like you just don't yeah. know. So I'm not going to say that it's going to be a complete bust. It's not going to work out, but it's just disappointing. I was hoping for something a little bit more. Yeah. I was hoping for a little bit more excitement. Just in the draft in general, I was hoping for more excitement, and it was just kind of turned out to be a pretty boring draft. Yeah. Like, I anticipated, like, there were talks all day about Ben Simmons being uh, wanting to be moved, uh, Kimba possibly being moved. Uh, I mean, I don't think that Dame was ever going to get moved, but there were still talks about Dame yeah. being traded potentially. Yeah. Like, there were a lot of conversations. Buddy Hield is another guy. I know Russ got traded, but, well, who cares? Uh <laughs> Like, there was a lot of talk going yeah. on about potential trades tonight, and it just it turned out to be kind of just a mundane draft. And yeah. I thought Houston had a good draft. Golden State had a good draft. Obviously, Detroit had a good draft. I mean, if you get Kay Cunningham, yeah. you're going to have a good draft. But I, Atlanta getting Jalen Johnson at 20, I thought, was yeah. uh, fantastic. So, there were, I mean, some teams had good drafts, but Oklahoma City is not one that I'm going to look at and say they had a good draft. I, like if I had graded, I'd say it's like a C. Yeah, it's like an at best an average draft. Massively underwhelming. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. All right, he is Aaron Davis. Uh, we're going to get final thoughts from Will Brewer as uh, the number 30 pick. And the final pick in this uh, first round of the NBA draft is about to be made, uh, which will wrap up our evening here at Chalk and Chisholm Creek. A night that started out with a building full of hopeful Thunder <laughs> fans, a building full of promise that the fortunes of the Oklahoma City Thunder were about to change. Smiles at every table and Will Brewer it did not take very long into this evening that uh, those smiles were qu quickly wiped away, that we had a building full of people scratching their heads, looking puzzled, and asking, who the hell is Josh Giddy? Yeah, uh, definitely. This place was packed, and it was uh, full of promise, like you said. Uh, a lot of people just thinking, like, okay, this is the start of, of something special. Smart market team. You know, we just saw Milwaukee win the championship. Yeah. They, they, it could be Oklahoma City's turn yeah. in a few years. And this is the, the, the first building block. And then um, let me introduce you to Josh Giddy, And then yeah. there was just some, some crickets. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> well, and, and it's it's worse when it's first. Who is this guy? And then it's so he can't shoot. <laughs> He's a guard that can't shoot. Yeah, yeah let me yeah. introduce you to Josh Giddy. Oh, he, he can't shoot. He's just a you know overseas point guard, yeah. and you know he's got a high. Yeah. Then you're like, wait a minute, he can't shoot. Like, yeah, um, oh. yeah. I mean, to say the least. Uh, there were definitely uh, higher hopes, uh, not only for me, not only for you, but for uh, all of the Thunder fans out there. But uh, you end up with Josh Giddy, You end yeah. up with uh, future first-round picks. Uh, uh, you trade away number 16 and then uh, number 18. Uh, yeah. you, you bring in Trey Mann. So two point guards uh, added to the team. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to continue to trust Sam Presti's uh, vision and uh, see where it goes. Sante Aldama is the final pick to the Utah Jazz in the 2021 first round of the NBA draft. Uh, the Thunder, by the way, have a couple picks to start, like, right at the beginning of the second round. I would say Jared Butler's a no-brainer oh, yeah. as the best player available. They've already taken two point guards, so I, I don't – I mean, I have a hard time thinking they would take a third, but – who knows? They took Josh Giddy with the sixth pick. I'm not sure anything would be more surprising with these picks than Josh Giddy going to uh, to number six. So, Will, final thoughts on the evening, my friend? Man, um, definitely had higher hopes. I wasn't expecting the night to go the way it did. Um, I'm not going to say that it was a complete disappointing and failure. I, I'd like to be more um, optimistic than that. Yeah. Um, they got a, a, a smart, uh, very uh, high-Q level point guard. Um, and then they bring in a guy like Trey Mann also, and then you add more draft capital. So, yeah. um, I mean, from there, I mean, there's not really much else to say, man. Just uh, you got to see what, where, yeah. where it goes from here. Uh, got to trust in Sam Presti. Yeah, in Presti we trust has been the mantra for Thunder fans uh, <laughs> for over a decade, and we'll see if Sam Presti's magic once again has landed on the 2021 NBA draft. But, uh, fair to say that uh, there's been a lot of underwhelming feelings from Thunder fans about who the Thunder have acquired tonight. Uh, all right, that is it for us. Uh, once again, big thanks to the staff here at Chalk in Chisholm Creek. Draft night was 
amazing. We had a building full of people. It was great to watch the emotions of everybody uh, as, as this draft took its twists and turns. Also a big shout out to uh, Kona Brewing. Uh, they provided us with uh, some awesome prizes. Uh, the Kona Grizzly Cooler, the Kona Skateboard, the Kona Girls were out here passing out free Kona beers. It doesn't get any better than that. Uh, we had some... Uh, Travelers win the uh, Magic Johnson autograph basketball in our giveaway. Uh, so, again, shout-out to uh, Kona Brewing for helping us out tonight. Uh, the staff here at Chalk, second to none. Chalk itself, I mean, I love this place. It is – you won't find a better – sporting experience in the metro without a doubt if you're looking for somewhere to eat great food hang out with your family or just you know hang out with the boys and watch the game like there is no better destination than chalk and chisholm creek for aaron davis and will brewer i am colby daniels from the colby daniels podcast this has been draft night from chalk and chisholm creek and we will talk to you next time Okay.